0: The clock strikes 7 o'clock on this Tuesday, September 14th. We are live in Football Life because it is Football Life Presents the Audible, episode 72. I am your host, Randy Hammond, alongside Matt Bushnell, and we got football to talk about, Matt. Week one, officially in the books. Are you got your overreactions ready?
1: Right, I My overreactions are not only ready, but they're stocked and loaded and ready to
0: be fired, Randy. <laughs> It is truly one of the best sports weeks of the year. You got to watch some football. You get to react about some teams, your own teams, other teams, some expectations out the window, some your change of mind on some teams here and there. It's truly one of the best weeks that we have. Um, before we get into it, Matt, episode 72, man. I mean, this is a more interesting number to me. Um, I got a player that comes to my mind right away. It's a legendary giant, O.C.U. Uminiora, pass rusher to help the Giants win two Super Bowls. He will forever be a giant favorite. And, uh, yeah, I miss him. I wish the Giants had a pass rusher like him today. So uh, you got anyone for 72, Matt? Well, you know what? As a Chicago Bears
1: fan, the one guy that comes to mind, and it's not a good coming to mind, it is Charles Leno. And the (laughs) Washington Football Club got their first (laughs) Charles Leno experience Mm -hmm. And it resulted in Ryan Fitzpatrick now landing in the IR.
0: Yeah, well, we'll get to that. Uh, And, yes, Corey Richmond, or Siu is a legendary uh, giant. I'm not saying a legendary football player, but in Giants' world, he is regarded highly. And rightfully so. He was great for, for a while for them. Okay, well, like I said, week one. In the books, Matt Bushnell, and it was a hell of a kickoff weekend for the NFL, So happy to back to see Scott Hansen back on red zone, just to see all the teams back in action. We waited so long for this. It was so nice to just pop my ass on the couch and watch some football. And I got a few hours before the Giants ruined my day, so that was even better too. Uh, (laughs) So let's get it going. We're going to start with the primetime games, and we had a wild ending to the first Monday night broadcast of the year. And, hey, if every primetime game could end like this, sign me up, because this game was absolutely bonkers. The Raiders escaping with an overtime win over the Baltimore Ravens. 33 to 27 and uh, Matt. to put it bluntly this game comes down to turnovers and the two fumbles by lamar jackson
1: yeah I, I think when you have to look at exactly how we got to the point we got to it really starts and ends with lamar jackson because mm-hmm. if he doesn't fumble the football the ravens win this game you know for all of the heroics that Derek carr put on and i i will say Derek carr put on a show along with darren mm-hmm. waller um you just, it leaves you wanting more from Lamar Jackson. We kind of go back into this tailspin of an argument, Randy, and people want him to get paid, but he missed a lot of easy throws that are very routine. You know, those 10 yard outs. If he has to throw outside the numbers, he struggles a lot. And it's systematic now. It's really something that as a defense, you can box him in. And now if he's going to be fumbling the football, taking one of his key components away from him, and that is his legs, I mean, it's frustrating to watch because he made three just insane, really great plays. And then you have to watch the other part of his game. And with the good and the bad, it's just a mix of in-between. I feel like he's good enough to get you to the playoffs, but he's also good enough to get your heart broken in that divisional round.
0: Yeah, look, Lamar Jackson obviously has limitations, and we've talked about that his entire career. But he's also has an elite skill set uh, that very few quarterbacks have ever had. Now, is that the most successful way to play quarterback? I would say no. We've seen that now that you have to have accuracy. You have to be able to throw in the pocket. You still need to be able to read defenses and make plays accordingly. Uh, you can't just take off every time your number one option is not there. That That's not always going to be the case. You need to have a balance because if he could take his rushing ability and mix it with the ability to throw, um, he would be absolutely dangerous. And you saw that with Michael Vick. He obviously wasn't as good of a passer as he was a runner. I mean, he had a cannon, but he wasn't the most accurate passer, precise, um, you know, defense reader ever. Um, You see that now with the guys who are truly contenders. um, I think Patrick Mahomes, he has a good mix of legs and arm, um, which makes him so successful. Lamar Jackson, um, you know, he – I will always defend him because he has an elite skill set. But that turnover problem is where you lose me because you cannot turn a ball over when you're, you're up two touchdowns. By the way, I didn't get to watch this whole game because I obviously have to wake up so early with my job. Um, but you're up two touchdowns and you not only let them get a chance to tie it at the end, you basically gave them the game in overtime. So uh, those are unacceptable mistakes when you're the leader of the team, when you already have your top two running backs out uh, and your defense did enough to win the game. Uh, you can't help them give it back. On the other side of the ball, Derek Carr. Um, I'm not saying this was a quarterback performance for the H's because I don't <laughs> think either guy played really well. But Derek Carr, like you said, he did the he did the thing. Uh, 34 of 56 for Derek Carr, 435 yards, two touchdowns, including the game winner to Zay Jones in overtime. And I love this about Derek Carr in the post game interview. He said. Um, hey, you know, we we coach always said, if you see this look, we're going to call this play, call this audible, and I'm going to throw it to that spot. And every time they ran that play, Zay Jones never missed a rep, he was there every single time. And he he gave credit to Zay Jones, he said he's the hardest working guy on the team, and that's he gave him a ton of credit for it. I love that because it's selfless, and you're giving credit to the guys on your team, you understand why you have success is because your teammates, um, the Raiders. I mean, I love the stadium, I love fans being in the stadium. I had a great vibe for Monday Night Football. I love the Manning cast, obviously, I'm a Manning guy that was really cool i love those guys talking football with one another um and look if this if they're going to be every all, every monday Night football game is going to be like this i cannot wait to watch and one more note on my end darren waller absolute stud um you know he did the right thing that he did he did his thing 10 10 for 105 and a touchdown so the raiders might be better than we think i don't know yeah i think when you look at the landscape
1: of what this means especially for the raiders it's it's monumental for them you know with all the surroundings of the offseason, you know, tax evasion and Mark Davis's new home. Mm-hmm. Just getting people talking about football again is so important for them. It gets rid of all that extra noise. But just the fact that Derek Carr is, it almost feels like we what we saw last year and then this year, it's building up to a top 10 quarterback. And as a Raiders fan, you have to be pretty excited about that. Darren Waller, you know, he's in that conversation. He's up there with Travis Kelsey. Um, I I, Personally, I would take Kelsey, then Waller, then Kittle, Um, just my preference. I I think those three you can put in the bag and just depends on what you like. But to me, Darren Waller is, and I'll I'll go this far. I think Darren Waller and Derek Carr are starting to develop one of those unique uh, relationships like Brady and Gronk where we may see Darren Waller get 20 touchdowns in a season. Wow. I, just, I just think it's coming to that point where those two have such a deep connection now. And you just have to tip your hat. Is this the year Gruden and this Raiders team finally make the playoffs? They finally break through because there's still six years and $16 left on that contract after this year. So you want to start seeing some progress. But still, one of the most concerning things for me is, um Farrell their first number one overall pick or not number one overall but their first number one pick Worth overall I believe yep I I believe he was a healthy scratch last night yep well that you know you, you, that's how you build a losing football team
0: yeah Waller is a special talent and uh he will light up the league. I have no doubt about that. As far as the Raiders making the playoffs, they're not in the ideal division for that because every team in the division won this weekend uh, and they all look pretty good doing it. And (laughs) we'll get to all of that. And um, our friend Leon Tompkins in the comment section reminds us we will be very disappointed next Monday because his Detroit lions play the green Bay Packers. So uh, it was fun. It lasted, I guess uh, the one time only, the kickoff for Monday night football. All right, let's move on. Matt Bushnell to your team here. The Sunday night football game. I was waiting all day for Sunday night until I saw Andy Dalton. Uh, the Look, the SoFi Stadium, the uniforms, the end zone looked great. The And the Rams scoring in the end zone looked great, too. Matt Stafford looked great. 20 to 26, 321 yards, three touchdowns. Uh, best QBR this weekend. The best quarterback rating overall. Uh, Matt Stafford looks very comfortable in his new home. And Andy Dalton, I can't say, particularly does. I think the beard needs to be trimmed. Mustache, not a great look. I would say it almost goes too well with the orange and the bears. Um, but the Rams kind of route the bears here, 34 to 14, but Matt Bushnell, you would say this game should have been a lot closer. If the, the bears coach made some different decisions, right?
1: Yeah. It, it, this falls on coaching and a couple of players that I'm going to single out here in a second, but Matt Nagy, I, I thought they were in field goal range three times um, two in the first half when they went in on fourth and four. And I think they had a fourth and seven, fourth and seven may have been too far out of Santos's range. But I believe that fourth and four, it would have been a 52 yard field goal, which I think we've all seen Santos being able to kick that field goal. And then with 10 minutes left in the game, they go for it on on a ridiculous. This is the part I don't understand. Andy Dalton is your quarterback, and you're going for it on fourth and 15 against the Rams. What, What the hell are you smoking? That's idiotic football at its finest. So. Let's just put that in there. And now let's think about this David Montgomery for a Rams defense that didn't give up a hundred yard rusher all of last year
0: Mm -hmm.
1: had 16 carries for 108 yards. If you watch the flow of that game, it was 13 to seven at halftime. The bears were literally picking up first down, first down, first down, first down. They were moving the ball on the Rams with running the ball and a lot of short passes for some odd reason. Matt Nagy feels like he needs to stick David Montgomery in his back pocket for some idiotic, moronic reasoning. And I'm tired of this shit. We saw this last year from him. Every single time David Montgomery gets running and gets going, it's 16 carries, it's 17, it's 15. David Montgomery should be touching the ball 30 times a game flat out. That's your best offensive weapon. That's your best chance to win this game. And you let it get by because you decide on first down after you picked up a key third down conversion by putting in Justin Fields, you thought it was best to have Andy Dalton throw into the end zone. Ball gets tipped, interception, off a very important drive to start your season, and then we're subject to this shit. David Montgomery should have been touching that football, but it's Matt Nagy. And then defensively, how the shit Eddie Jackson is making, what, 13, 14, 15 million dollars a year and plays like this trash and he still gets paid. This is bullshit and bad talent evaluation. He was an all pro one year. And then we watched and I referenced this in one of our chats, Randy, that Bears have a YouTube, you know, little video, menage, whatever you want to call it. It's called 1920 football drive. And there's a clip in there where Eddie Jackson is talking to one of his fellow DBs and he's like, dude, don't worry about tackling. Anyone can tackle. You got to go for the ball. That's how people get to know you. God dang it, Eddie Jackson. If you could have tackled Sunday night, it may have been a hell of a lot better than what it was, but no, we have to watch Eddie Jackson, not even know how to touch a wide receiver down. Mm. So then we get to watch that thing. And my last and final talking point here, Randy, and it feels blasphemous to me, but Cleo Mack's a great player. He never gets questioned for effort, as he never should. But you get paid $24 million a year, and at some point, and he's great, and I I hate even criticizing this, but sometimes you have to be that dude against all odds. You have to get to Stafford. You have to make a game-changing play because you get paid that much money. That's what you get paid to do, and he's a great player, and I know PFF ranked him number one. But you have to change the game, and I just never felt that Cleo Mack was anything more than someone that the Rams just avoided all
0: game. Frustrating game for the Bears. I think it started immediately when Stafford hits Van Jefferson for a 67-yard touchdown, and on the play, Jefferson falls, uh, both secondary players for the Bears. I believe it was Jackson. Um, Don't touch him. Gets right up and walks walks right into the end zone. And it was a great throw by Stafford. It just shouldn't have been a touchdown at the moment. Um, But great play by Jefferson. But uh, if you're a Bears fan, um, if the defense is going to be that bad, it's going to be a long year for you um, because, I, you know, Fields came in and made a couple plays. I don't think he played very many snaps, but he he um, moved the chains, three snaps. So you don't you don't have really much of a takeaway for him. One touchdown. <laughs> but Andy Dalton kind of left you like thinking, you know, he's not going to be the starter for too long here. I would be surprised by week four if you still have Andy Dalton as your quarterback. And honestly, if the defense is going to be that bad, it might be might be moot
1: anyway so yeah and and i'll say this you know we talked some bears here the rams look good i mean let's just call it what it is matt stafford looks really good and i guess it really was the lions (laughs) with this being an anchor taking them to the bottom of the ocean there but randy i you know i I know we talked mvps but if if this is going to be the matt stafford that we're going to
0: be seeing i i think he wins mvp this year yeah, not much of a running game for the Rams. They only had 74 rushing yards on 23 carries, um, but it was all the passing game. Cooper Cup, seven for 108 and a touchdown. Van Jefferson, two for 80 and a touchdown. Uh, Tyler Higbee, five for 68. And Robert Woods, three for 27 and a touchdown. Wearing number two now, by the way, with very, very weird numbers thing kind of messed me up this weekend. I don't know how many other people feel that way too, but the, the receivers were single digits. Some of the defensive linemen, too, uh, was a bit of an adjustment. So yeah. and,
1: and, and just we're, real we're quick. Ahead. Yeah, Ricky made in the comments about Mac. he's always double and triple teamed. Well, you know, Ricky, I, Aaron Donald's always triple teamed every single play. And, you know, he affects every snap. There's holding on him almost every play. And he got to Andy Dalton twice, forced a fumble, well, helped forced a fumble. And then he also got a sack. That's kind of what you need from Cleo Mack. You, you have to find a way. I get it that you're double and triple teamed. But you're the highest, you, you like what top seven of the highest paid players in the NFL, number three for non-quarterbacks. There's got to be something more there or you can't pay him that much.
0: Yeah, I understand what you mean too, because like you said, Donald, Donald attracts that a ton of kind of attention. Uh, Miles Garrett uh, acqu- requires that sort of attention and TJ Watt, who we'll talk about in a little bit also gets double teamed quite a bit and they all seem to make uh, an impact. So whether it's an effort issue with Mac or maybe he's, uh, approaching that past peak, of a point of his yeah. career, um, it's it, it, you expect more from him. That's for sure. But uh, Sunday night football is good to see Alan Chris. Good to see that stadium Rams looking like the cream of the crop in the NFC. All right. Moving to the first game of the season, Thursday night football, uh, the kickoff game. We're going to talk primetime games first. Like I said, and the other cream of the crop team, the reigning defending undisputed Super Bowl 55 champions, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers escape narrowly over the Dallas Cowboys in the game. We did not expect to be this close 31 to 29 and uh, uh, they won on a last second field goal by Ryan Suckup. Um, look, I, I ended up here. I thought Dallas was just going to get steamrolled uh, and the Bucs let them hang around. And it was honestly, it reminded me of a Bucks game from last year because they didn't put teams away that they should have. And they let teams linger and you know, they would win, but you'd be like, are they that good? I don't know if they're that good. And it reminded me of that. I was a little surprised but Brady still looked good. He had the two picks. One of them was in a Hail Mary in the end zone, whatever. Uh, but Brady, I don't know how at 44, he still could throw the ball so far, so accurate mm-hmm. and looks still so good. Uh, HGH, the hell of a thing. Uh, <laughs> the Tampa rushing game scares me a little bit, only 52 yards in the air, but the weapons, uh, the receiving weapons are all over the place. Uh, I was touched on Brown Antonio Brown five for one twenty one and a touchdown. Chris Godwin nine for one hundred five and a touchdown. Gronk eight for ninety and two touchdowns. Uh, Mike Evans quiet three for twenty four. But I'll say this. The Dallas Cowboys came into this game with a, with a game plan. And I think it laid the blueprint on how to play the bucks. They came in and said, they're secondary. And I said this last week, they can be had. So we're going to attack, attack, attack. They hardly use the galley only give them 11 carries Dak threw the ball 58 times in this game with a shoulder problem. It was 42, 58, 403 yards, three touchdowns. I mean, they were throwing the ball all over the place and that's with Michael Gallup getting hurt at halftime. I don't know. I, I don't know. This says a lot about the Bucks going forward, or the Cowboys, or maybe it's just a one-time thing because it's the opening kickoff. But hey, uh, very entertaining game to start the year, Matt. What are some of the takeaways that you had?
1: Yeah, for me, I question, and I think it is a moral victory for Dallas here, you know, mm-hmm. to be able to lead. But it goes back to why do you give Tom Brady any amount of time on the clock left? Um, this is something that you should never do because if you give him enough time, he's going to come back and burn you and. We've seen it time and time again, unless you're the Chicago Bears and he has one of those sleepy Tom moments. but I mean, I, I, I have to agree with you, really. Um, I think Dallas is in a unique situation, though, where they match up really well with the Bucs because they have those wide receivers. I mean, CeeDee Lamb was – you give him an inch, he's going to take a foot, and he's so fast and so quick and so versatile that it really makes you appreciate how good he is. And you pair that with Amari Cooper, who's also really good. So the Cowboys have, you know, enough weapons. And I think a lot of Zeke caters out there kind of need to tip their cap to him because he was kind of the unsung hero for me. And if you appreciate football and you know how difficult it is to pick up a blitz and how hard it is for running backs to block, Zeke is really, really, really good at that. So, so him sacrificing his touches and him sacrificing himself for the betterment of the team. It's nice to see Dallas defensively, you know, they're just kind of, yeah, they have to get turnovers to win football games and Tom gave them two interceptions. I'll say this. They had Tom Brady and they forced a fumble and somehow the ball magically ended back, ended up back in Tom's hands and he mm-hmm. threw an absolute dart. So sometimes it makes you feel like, it is, how lucky is Tom Brady in all of this? So Dallas has some work to do, with, especially with Collins getting suspended for five games now. So yep. that, that's going to change some things. But going forward for Dallas, it's a momentum builder. I, I think Dak still has some lingering shoulder injuries there, Randy, because you kind of see like, there was real no darts there it was a lot of loft a lot of touch passes i didn't see a lot of zip on some of those passes so maybe that's something that he has to
0: build back up yeah i agree i i felt like i could have seen a little bit more oomph coming out of his throws but ultimately threw the ball 58 times so uh, who wants to say how he looked or how he felt right yeah um, i will say the cowboys did get four turnovers we mentioned the two uh, Brady picks, and then Chris Godwin with a fumble, and Ronald Jones also with a fumble, which led to him getting benched early on in this game. So maybe that kept the Cowboys in the game. A uh, You could argue there was a missed offensive pass interference hearing on Godwin at the end of the game, too. If you're a Cowboys fan, I'd understand your frustration there. Um, But I'd, I'd be encouraged if you're a Cowboys fan. I would, because Amari Cooper, 13 for 139 and two touchdowns, absolutely torched that defense. Then CeeDee Lamb, 7 for 104 on 15 targets. He absolutely could have had what Cooper had. He had a bad drop, Dak missed him one time. Like these two alone, even without Gallup, are disgusting together. Yeah. Um, and I, 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 to your point about Zeke, yes, he is absolutely the best pass blocking running back in the NFL. With that said, he, I'm a little worried about the guy because he had a they they threw <laughs> they had an option on the left side and Dak pitched him the ball. And I know Darwin missed the block, but when you're an elite running back and you only have one guy to miss for a touchdown, you got to make a mess. And he didn't, he got tackled one-on-one in the open field. So I'd be a little concerned about that. Uh, but nonetheless, uh, overall Cowboys fan, you'd be optimistic moving forward because you really gave it to the champs and you you came in with a good game plan, which I wasn't hundred percent sure the Cowboys were even possible of. So <laughs> I it to them on that. All right, Matt Bushnell, you ready to talk about the rest of the games here? I mean, look, this is going to be a long show folks <laughs> buckle up yeah. on this one. Cool. Um, uh, they really set the tone in this game. I will say Bucks cowboys They really got me even more excited for Sunday. So Great let's get it going game. on Sunday, Matt Bushnell. We're going to start um, with a matchup in the or an NFC East team. It's going to be the team I predicted to come in last in this division, and they are the only team with a win. They're in the first place. The Philadelphia Eagles routing, absolutely soaring over the Atlanta Falcons, 32-6. to Jalen Hurts. Looking like the man, 27 to 35, 264 yards, three touchdowns on the ground, seven for 62. He looks unstoppable. The Eagles running game looks really good. The defense locked lockdown on the Falcons. Uh, I'm not shocked that the Eagles won. I'm shocked at the dominating fashion in which they won. Um, Arthur Smith, I'm shocked to not have the Falcons more ready to play. I'm disappointed in the game plan. And Matt Ryan, Matt, looked pretty bad.
1: Yeah. I just, I go back to one of our talking points. I thought Jalen hurts was going to be a good quarterback coming into the draft. And now you see him with a scheme that makes sense. You gave him a heck of a playmaker. Congratulations to all the rookies scoring touchdowns. I think that's one of the themes we saw this weekend. Randy, Randy was rookie scoring touchdowns. Devante Smith, heck of a performance for him really for a rookie wide receiver. It was really nice to see him do that, but this was all Jalen hurts all the time. He's, if he plays like this, Randy, he might be the best quarterback in the NFC East. I mean, Washington doesn't have one. Giants don't have one. And Dallas has Dak. Uh, I mean, it's not out of the realm of possibilities. Hertz plays like this for eight more weeks, and he's anointed the best quarterback in that division. So good on Hertz. It's nice to see the Eagles for just a coach that is totally incapable of talking. Like, do not put a microphone in front of Nick Ciceri or whatever his name is Sirianni. Sirianni just keep the microphone away from him don't let him talk but the dude can coach the Eagles came out prepared they mm-hmm. had a game plan and they executed it perfectly so congratulations to them the Falcons have such a long way to go Matt Ryan looks every bit his age like you said so yeah uh, Eagles are going up Falcons yeah that Kyle Pitts pick maybe Ooh. you could have used uh Patrick Sertain here uh-huh.
0: I gotta say that, that that Kyle Pitts pick makes it gives me Saquon Barkley vibes for 2018, except he's not gonna have quite the year of Saquon added in his of year. Um, Look, Sirianni, man, he really impressed me because he came out and he wasn't afraid. He had a great game plan. Um, they score a touchdown in the second quarter and then the Falcons have a penalty. So instead of kicking the extra point, he was aggressive and said, I'm going for two. And then he got it. And then it was a 15 to six game at halftime. I'm like, you know what? This is this man's first game. He has every right to just say, you know what? We scored a touchdown. Let's just kick the extra point and move on. He said, "No, what? No, I'm going to make a name for myself and establish myself and go for this. And they got it. And uh, Hertz just opens up. Up so much of the run game for them because Miles Sanders, 15-74. Uh, I think it's Kevin Gainwell. I'm not 100% sure his first name, but okay. he had six, uh, nine for 37 and a touchdown overall, 173 yards on the ground with Hurts there. The RPOs are so hard to defend. And now that they have a number one in Devontae Smith, who I thought looked really good, and the touchdown grab was really nice yep. uh, there in the first half. Um, they Maybe they'll get something more out of Jalen Rieger, who had a touchdown this game, 6-49. for 49. He was a first-round pick. Dallas Goddard to throw to Goddard and if you haven't seen the throw to Goddard it was a veteran throw like you would have thought Pat Mahomes made this throw because Hurts is rolling out to his right and Goddard is not open he is double teamed and he threw to a spot and Goddard said I'm gonna go get it and he dove in it was the only spot that Goddard could have got it and I did not know Hurts is capable of that and that is a special play uh by him there Um, so look the Eagles I, I don't want to be an overreaction but if I'm gonna overreact on anything they look like the best team in the division right now yeah. and- well, they're the only team that won, but I am stunned at this, that this, that they dominated the Falcons this much. And we might be talking about the Falcons as a team with number one pick potential. Uh, because if they they're getting beat up by Nick Siriani this bad, it's probably going to get worse. And <laughs> I just want to note about Arthur Smith, they did have 124 yards on the ground, but Mike Davis is their starting running back, was just 15 of 49 for 49. Their leading rusher in that bushel. Cordero Patterson, seven for 54. That's going to be a real problem all year if Arthur Smith can't figure out how to run the ball. See, and this way you don't half-ass a rebuild,
1: Randy. We talk about it all the time. We talk about it in baseball. You half-ass these things and it comes back and bites you in the rear. Arthur Smith, great coach, but they should have moved off Matt Ryan. You know, Ridley's a building block. You got him, but man, this roster leaves a lot to be desired. And that's why Kyle Pitts was not the right pick at number four.
0: Absolutely not. And they came out fast. I thought they looked good in their first drive, but
1: and Arthur Smith alluded
0: to this after the game, when you put yourself in predictable situations, it makes it easier on the defense. So when you're down 22 to six and you're you're not really threatening to run the ball, you know, the, the Eagles were allowed to pin their ears back and just go all out on Matt Ryan. So yep. uh Falcons got some work to do. I believe they have the Bucks next week, so it doesn't get much easier for them. <laughs> so uh yeah, Eagles one and zero, top of the NFC East. So uh, I'm hand up, but I didn't see that one coming uh, necessarily. <laughs> All right, the other team in Pennsylvania, Matt Bushnell also played, wow. and they played in Western New York, and they were down ten nothing in this game into the second half, and it looked like uh it was over for Pittsburgh, but the defense kept Josh Allen in check and gave the Steelers offense enough time to come back, and this ended up being a Steelers win, twenty three to sixteen um if you're a josh allen lover i feel bad because he definitely looked like he regressed in this game but you got to give a ton of credit to the steelers defense they came to play mike tomlin uh has never had a losing season in his entire head coaching career with the steelers i feel like i have to reiterate that so we were down on pittsburgh but now overreaction tuesday's here matt i kind of feel like the steelers are here and maybe we should have given them a little bit more respect
1: yeah it kind of ties into the ravens game as well and that's why it was such a huge game for the ravens to win especially with Uh, Pittsburgh just completely going into Buffalo and just defensively spanking them. They pantsed uh, everything what Buffalo did. And really, I think it exposes Josh Allen to a bigger issue. They gave him all that money and they limited his ability to roll out to the right. And guess what? He has a very pedestrian game. Um, You take away Stefan Diggs. This could be an issue for Buffalo. And it goes back to a larger point, I think, Randy, a, a lot of these teams with some of these offseason noises, like Buffalo with the whole COVID vaccine issue and everything, and, you know, still trying to fight that fight it's whatever, but man, you, you really need to limit distractions as much as you can. I think going into a season, Pittsburgh workmanlike, and, you know, um, I, I gave Pittsburgh a lot of shit rightfully so. Cause I thought, you know, you can't win with Ben Roethlisberger being a dinosaur And, you know, the guys like Corey Richmond, Jason Makovich, and and a lot of people, I think even you to a certain extent, Randy, where, you know, you're like, ah, Pittsburgh's not going to be that bad, right? Pittsburgh finishing with double-digit losses. That Buffalo win is huge. And if they're able to take this formula and move it on, it's probably double-digit wins.
0: Look, if the defense is going to be this good, we're talking about the best unit in the NFL defensively, because they... They took the runner up for the MVP and just totally said, That's an outlier because you're not looking like that today. Uh, Allen went 30 of 51 for 270 yards and a touchdown. And in the second half, really just got dominated and it wasn't even like the offensive line got completely overwhelmed. TJ Watt had two sacks. Cameron Hayward had a sack. Josh Allen felt like he was running for his life the entire time in the defense and uh, underrated acquisition uh, for the Steelers defense that I forgot they had was um, Melvin Ingram, the old Chargers opposite of uh, Mr. Bosa. So I I forgot they had him and he was out there making plays opposite TJ Watt. So that's a good signing for them. Look, if you're a Steelers fan, the offense, I think, you know needs work. The Najee Harris experience so far, 16 of 45. Um, offensive line's okay. Buffalo's defense is good too. So some respect should be given to them as well. The receivers made some unbelievable plays in this game. Juju made some hell, hell of a great catches down the stretch. Claypool made an unbelievable catch on Tredavious White. That is one of the plays of the week, if you ask me. And Deontay Johnson. Bobble the touchdown in the end zone ended up regathering and dragging his foot. I believe that's the one that gave him the lead. So um, look, big Ben can still sling it. It's weird seeing him skinny, but it looked like he came into the off season dedicated to his body and his health. And you're seeing the results of that now. So um, if the Steelers defense can do that to Buffalo, I think they're going to be doing that to a lot of teams and credit to Mike Tomlin. I, I give Mike Tomlin and Ben Roethlisberger mm-hmm. a lot of shit. I definitely thought they were going to be better than what you thought, but if they're this good, We could be looking at the Steelers as repeat AFC North champions once again. Uh,
1: Yeah, I like Cleveland a lot, but we'll get to them.
0: Yeah, this is overreaction Tuesday, so these are things that I have to say <laughs> yes, uh, as part true. of this here. So I'm very impressed by the Steelers. If you're a Bills fan, that's got, that loss is going to hurt for a long time because you were up 10-0 and you had them backs against the ropes and they came back on you. So if you're I, I, if you're a Buffalo fan, you really have to get right next week. And if you're a Steelers fan, you got to be flying high because I think the expectations were flipped on this game. And it turns out this is why you play football to begin with.
1: Yep, and, and this game you could look back
0: on and be like, that's why we didn't get home field advantage. Yeah. which is
1: which could be very important.
0: It's a good point. If we look back in Buffalo's 2 seed it could be a real difference maker now. Yep. All right, moving on to a team in the NFC North and also a team in the AFC North here, Matt Bushnell. Uh, it's much your delight here. Mm-hmm. The Minnesota Vikings going into Cincinnati and beating up on the Bengals. No, that actually didn't happen. Joe Burrow is back, and he is the freaking man because the Bengals almost blew a 14-point lead to the Vikings. Uh, the Vikings would tie it, send it to overtime. And then Joe Burrow overriding his head coach, Zach Taylor, calling an audible and creating the play to set him up into, into field goal range. I believe that was a throw. Uh, to, I believe it was one of the receivers, the Higgins, I think it was. Uh, but nonetheless, he called an audible, made the play, set up for McPherson's game-winning field goal with, uh, I believe, less than four minutes left in overtime. This one took a while. Um, but 27-24, the Bengals upset the Vikings. And look, there was a lot of talk about this in our one of our chats earlier with our friend Lucas Albert. Um, I I think we both agree the Vikings are a pretty average football team, and when you're an average football team, you lose to good quarterbacks. I know the Bengals are in bad shape, but I think the world of Joe Burrow, so this doesn't totally shock me. I think my issue here, and we can talk a lot about the Vikings,
1: but the Bengals have a subpar offensive line. Their defense is absolutely atrocious. I mean, that, that defense is not good at all, and there's people questioning how good Zach Taylor is. If Joe Burrow doesn't do Joe Burrow type things, the Bengals probably lose this game or it ends in a tie, which speaks volumes. You take a look at the Vikings, and maybe it's my Mike Tomlin theory, but just flipped on another Mike, and that's Mike Zimmer. Sometimes your message just stops, you know, and the team's just – it needs something different. The Vikings played undisciplined, sloppy football, you know the the dbs got burned by jamar chase and higgins i'm not I, you know there was a couple of there was another wide receiver i forget his name but um there's boyd uzoma i mean those guys made plays yeah yeah and with joe burrow you give him an inch and he really does take a mile joe burrow is going to be a top five quarterback in this league I, I just you see everything from this kid you know you're probably looking at Mahomes, burrow you know, I don't know how much longer, you know, you're probably going to usher out Rodgers and Wilson in the near future. But with Justin Herbert, Mahomes, and uh, Joe Burrow, you know, this, this league's in pretty good shape. And we take a look at what he can do. But still, you got to find a way to get to the passer. The Cincinnati's offensive line's not good, and you just give Joe Burrow plenty of time to throw the football. Minnesota absolutely deserved to lose this game. If Minnesota played against a better team, they are absolutely getting smoked. And we're Mm -hmm. probably looking at a Green Bay, New Orleans type of deal here. It was just a pathetic performance. And I know Viking fans will chirp, say, you know, we only lost by three. You lost by three to the frickin' Bengals. Uh, I mean, you didn't play the Saints, you didn't play the Rams, and you sure as hell didn't play the 49ers. So, you know, save all that chirping until you actually play a good team. Mm -hmm. Bengals have an interesting matchup coming up this week. And and I think that'll be, you know, a more interesting measuring stick because if the Bengals can beat these mediocre teams like they have one coming in next week. Mm -hmm. I don't know, Joe Burrow. Yeah, we're starting to see some things pretty early
0: here. Yeah, I, I leave the world of Joe Burrow. I had some questions coming into camp about his knee, but he kind of shut shut everyone up on that. Yeah. Um hey, the Vikings had five sacks, so they, it doesn't feel like it, but they did. Pierce had two, Harrison Smith had one, Daniel Hunter had one, uh, and vigil oh, wow. had one as well. But Burrow kept getting up, kept making all the big throws. The 20 to 27, 261 yards, two touchdowns for Burrow. Uh, they ran the ball. I think that was probably the most surprising thing is that the, with the bad offensive line, Joe Mixon was still 29 off a, for 127 and a touchdown. Um, and then I'll give credit to. Jamar Chase, he was getting killed all offseason, all, all camp, all spring, uh, preseason uh, for not being able to see the ball. He can't catch the ball. He had five for 101 and a touchdown. T. Higgins, 458 and a touchdown as well. Um, and I love Burrow in the post game. Uh, Chase got done with his interview and Burrow sits down. And he's like, Oh, I thought Chase couldn't catch the ball. I don't know if this is the this longest troll, petty attempt I've ever seen, or is it legitimately just Jamar Chase getting up for a big game? Nonetheless, you got to like what you see if you're a Bengals fan on that front. And if you're a Bengals fan, you get BJ Hill from the Giants, by the way, for an offensive line. And who was bad anyway? And BJ Hill gets two huge sacks at the end of this game. So uh just rubbing salt in the wound there as a Giants fan. But Kirk Cousins, too. Um, 36 of 49, 351 yards, two touchdowns. I felt like time and time again, you just didn't believe that Kirk Cousins was going to get the job done. And that is the the just the theme for Kirk Cousins' entire, entire career. You could tell he only really trusted Adam Thielen. He was nine of 92 for two touchdowns. Um, KJ Osborne, seven for 76, and then Justin Jefferson, who was the rookie sensation um he was five for 71 but overall I just felt like you know Kirk Cousins couldn't get totally comfortable in this game and yet they kept throwing it and Dalvin Cook couldn't get going either 20 or 61 for a touchdown but if you're a Vikings fan any high expectations you had for this year I think come down drastically and if you're a Bengals fan you're like shit I didn't think we're gonna win that many games anyway sign me (laughs) up I'll take that yeah
1: if you take a look at this in a microscope you know it's the same Kirk Cousins When he's down, he puts up fantastic numbers. Like, he he rallies some wagons. He gets some garbage points. Fantasy football superstar, Kirk Cousins. But if you want a winning football team, this dude's the biggest piece of shit that you could possibly have. There is nothing about his aura that makes me believe that they were going to come back and win this game at the quarterback position. If they were going to win this game, it either had to be by Dalvin Cook or a play from that defense. And unfortunately, I don't think the defense is good enough to make those plays. And Dalvin Cook is just, you know, the the weapons on offense are so good. And you have to watch this piece of this turd try to do something with it. And he can't. That's the story. That's why I never believe in the Vikings. That's why I never will believe in the Vikings. This may be the most talented roster in the NFC North, Randy. But with that turd playing quarterback, It's like an anchor and it brings down this entire organization. And I'm so glad for it as a Bears fan, because if they had a real quarterback, this team's a perennial division winner, not the Green Bay Packers. So thank you, Vikings. And thank you, Kirk Cousins.
0: Yeah, I'm not sure what the contract looks like for Cousins. I know it's fully guaranteed. (laughs) But they gave him two more years, baby more years, so maybe maybe not. I was going to suggest maybe Kellen Mond finds his way onto the fields at some point this year. But if you're paying Kirk Cousins that much, I don't think that's going to happen. But, um, you know, the Vikings will be be average. They'll win eight, nine games, and they'll lose to good quarterbacks. That's just what average teams have always done in the NFL. So um losing to the Bengals is bad, yes. Losing to Joe Burrow, we're going to find out pretty quickly. Probably isn't the most embarrassing thing in the world. No. All right, we're going to move on to my survivor pick. Keeping me alive for this week. Thank you, the San Francisco 49ers, our fearless leader, Henry Maldonado Jr.'s team, rolling the Lions, and this score is much closer than the game would indicate. Uh, 41 to 33, um, the Lions scoring 16 fourth quarter points. We call those garbage time points, folks. Uh, Jared Goff going full, Blake Bortles in this game. He finishes 38 to 57, 338 yards, three touchdowns. Um, And the Niners, it's all about the running game. And uh, Jimmy Garoppolo, too. I mean, Jimmy Garoppolo played okay at 17-25, 314 yards and a touchdown. Um, But Raheem Mostert leaves this game early, finishes with just 20 yards rushing. Now out for the entire season, he elected to have season-ending surgery. I believe it's his knee, so that sucks. But the Niners are a team where they are the definition of running backs do not matter because Raheem Mostert is non-draft free agent, it runs like, know the best running back you've ever seen. They bring in this guy, Elijah Mitchell, who comes in, has 19 carries for 104 yards in the touchdown. Hasty only has one carry, he doesn't do much. Grappolo had two yards, and Trey Lance also had two yards rushing. Overall, 131 yards rushing as a team, and Mitchell, this is the guy I never even heard of before the game. Trey Sermon was a healthy scratch, the third-round pick that they had. Um, the Niners just do what they want with the run game, and I'm extremely jealous that they don't value running backs at all, because that's my philosophy, uh, totally, in real life, too. Uh, and this game was the D Debo Samuel game. He had nine catches for 189 yards and a touchdown. He absolutely just destroyed third, around, third overall pick Jeff Okuda from last year and took a ball to the house, 79 yards, and then Okuda season is over. He tears his Achilles, and it's done for for him. Uh, George Kittle adds four for 78 here. And Trey Lance, by the way, got in this game, through one pass for a touchdown uh, as well. So, so the rookie's getting a little burn here at the end and uh, Fields and Lance. But overall, this just kind of shows me, the Lions are one of the worst teams in the NFL, and they're going to do this garbage time thing. And if you're doing a survivor pool, you're going to want to pick against Jared Goff each and every week.
1: Yeah, to me, the Niners had this game won in the third quarter. It was, mm-hmm. it was over probably before then. Uh, the Lions are kind of what I thought they would be. They're not going to quit. Dan Campbell is that type of coach. I'm not sure if he's a, you know, a good coach. He's going to be capable of winning big games. But he changes the atmosphere and the attitude of the Lions, which I think mm-hmm. is important here. But Jared Goff is awful. I mean, just, you know, to be in the NFC North and you have Andy Dalton, Jared Goff, and Kirk Cousins, like just, you know, giving Aaron Rodgers the biggest gift wrapped present every year, you know, trotting out these pieces of garbage as a quarterback. So to me, you know, you you tip your hat to the 49ers, that NFC West, as we talked about with the Rams we we'll talk about the 49ers. We're going to talk about, about those two other teams. It is going to be a bloodbath in that division, and I cannot wait for this 49ers and Rams matchup again. It mm-hmm. is going to be fantastic. I think the Lions are picking number one in the draft. It's just they're that bad. They okay. are so bad. And then we, Leon Topkins, our good friend, will get to see Sam Howell in that beautiful Lion
0: Blue not too different from the North Carolina blue. So, you know, it wouldn't do that much of a change for Mr. Howell. Um, I'm not going to touch on this game too much longer. It's, it was a blowout. It's a lot of garbage time stuff, but I will say if you're a fantasy footballer like me, the lions will have sneaky fantasy value in the sense that they will have 2016 Jags vibes where Blake Bortles would be down four touchdowns and they would get two, <laughs> three garbage time touchdowns. And I'm just going to show it. Goff finished with 338 yards and three touchdowns. Uh, Jamal Williams had nine carries for 54 yards and a touchdown. He also had eight catches for 56 yards. DeAndre Swift had 39 yards rushing. He also had eight catches for 65 yards and a touchdown and a tight end who's establishing himself. You know, it's a big three. There might be a big four because TJ Hawkinson had eight catches for 97 yards and a touchdown. TJ Hawkinson is is pretty good. So that big three, if you're, if you're a fantasy football player, the Lions aren't sexy, but garbage time is prime time for fantasy points. And they're going (laughs) to keep doing that all year long. I have no doubt about that. Yeah, I agree. I,
1: there's not much to talk about here. The Lions will give you fantasy garbage points, which is valuable, you know, for a fantasy team. DeAndre Swift may end up being a top 12 fantasy running back with as many games they get blown out of. So
0: don't sleep yeah. on Swift. And Jamal Williams is good, too. If you have Jamal Williams, yeah. you know, he, he's he's going to put up numbers, too. He's going to get a ton of playing time. All right. Well, I told you that the Niners were my survivor pick. If you went with them, you're, you live to, you lived to play another day, as former <laughs> friend would say. Uh, congratulations on that. All right, moving on to so a team that's pretty popular Uh, for one person in our group, our friend Corey Decker, the Arizona Cardinals, coming in to Nashville, Tennessee, and boat racing the Tennessee Titans. I had my concerns about the Titans in our divisional preview, but my goodness, were they on display in this game. This game was not particularly close. Healthy Kyler Murray looked incredible. He made some unbelievable plays that only Kyler Murray could make. 21 of 32, 289 yards, four touchdowns. And Ryan Tannehill could not get the thing going 21 to 35, 212, and a touchdown. And the story of the game for me, Matt Bushnell, and I don't know about you, uh, Chandler Jones, <laughs> uh, big, a big topic of contention uh, amongst the contract with him and the team. Uh, pay the man. He had six tackles, five sacks. He had five sacks. I mean, he was, he dominated this game, absolutely bullied Taylor Lewan the entire time. <laughs> and he just said, you're not winning this game. And uh, I hand up because I said, I didn't think they could stop Derrick Henry. Not only did they stop Derrick Henry, he was a complete non-factor for the entire game. So the Cardinals, 1-0, 38-13 over the Titans. Yeah, I
1: I had the distinct pleasure of being able to watch this game live and everything i mean kyler murray just left me in awe with some of the things that he does on the field he's everything you wish lamar jackson could be you know with the speed the throw the touch everything there's not one throw on the field that kyler murray cannot make um tennessee's defense is as bad as advertised they couldn't guard they couldn't do anything against deandre hopkins they made aj green a factor as hard as that is to believe um Chase Edmonds had a little bit of a rub here. He didn't look too bad. James Conner, you know, there, there's some people that may say James Conner didn't look bad. I didn't like what he brought to the table. But Kyler Murray's just like that gigantic eraser where he can just erase everything bad that your yeah. offense does. And he's so electric. And then the defense. I mean, knowing that the Bears have to play the Arizona Cardinals absolutely terrifies me. My only hope is that J.J. Watt's hurt because what J.J. Watt was doing at the line of scrimmage and at the point of attack was criminal. He looked like NFL defensive player of the year, J.J. Watt. And, oh, by the way, he's got Chandler Jones on the opposite side of him. And sometimes, Randy, they put him on the same damn side and then Chandler Jones was just gone. It it was incredible to watch. I think their secondary could be a little bit of an issue here for them. Um, but like you said, Ryan Tannehill was never able to get going. Julio Jones needs – I mean, if, if this is what they got in Julio Jones, this AFC – yeah, oh, it's not good. This AFC South is – you start looking at the Houston Texans a little bit harder.
0: <laughs> uh, but – I'll say this. Uh, Julio and A.J. Green both looked like pretty washed former elite wide receivers in this game. Did they that, – That
1: that's exactly what it did look like. It was just kind of like – man julio couldn't create separation and when he did get separation and the ball was thrown to him he dropped it mm-hmm. it's it's just it's scary to look at um, when you're looking at this from this perspective to me the cardinals are as good as advertised this is nfc west and I, I know we got one more team to cover but man it is just i'm glad i'm on the west coast because there's going to be some hellacious football games played on the west coast So hats off. This Cardinals team looks like it's going to be
0: for real. Uh, Kyler has to be one of the most entertaining quarterbacks I have ever watched. And it's so unorthodox and unlike any other player, like obviously there's been great quarterbacks, but I don't know if there's ever been a QB quite like Kyler Murray. His size makes him look almost like a video game character and the way he rolls out, stops, backs up, throws the ball down the field. Uh, His ability to just Ron spin this way, spin back this way, and throw a ball on the dime in the back of the end zone for DeAndre Hopkins. Like I don't know who else, who other, what other quarterback could do that. Like Mahomes maybe, but Kyler is just uniquely small and has great leverage to the ground that even Mahomes might not be able to make some of these plays. Healthy Kyler is must see TV for me, and yeah. I'm here for it. <laughs> I was I criticized the Cardinals ahead of this ahead of this game. But I should have directed that more to Mike Vrabel because his team did not look prepared and they got absolutely boat raced by Kyler. Uh, and DeAndre Hopkins and Cliff Kingsbury. So uh look, the AFC and NFC West are running away with this with, <laughs> as the best divisions in football. Both of their all the teams in those divisions won this week. That whole both those divisions are 8-0 coming out of this game. So uh the Titans got work to do, and the Cardinals and looked really good and very entertaining game from them. All right, we're gonna keep it going here. Like I told you guys, it's gonna be a long show. We're about halfway through these games. Let's keep it going. Um, all right, the next one on the list is another NFC West team, and it is the Seattle Seahawks. a team, honestly, we probably all overlooked a little bit coming into this year, and Russell Wilson looked incredible in his own right here. Um, I clicked the wrong game. Let me go back. But uh, Russell Wilson throwing dimes down the field uh, to Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf, and overall just looking like prime Russell Wilson. So you love to see that. And the Colts. I said this last week, the Colts to me feel like the most average team in the NFL, more so than the Vikings even. And they they looked it. I mean, I don't think Carson Wentz necessarily looked terrible, but he didn't look good either. I just feel like the Colts don't have a ton of elite offensive talent. Uh, They were not able to run the ball and that's their bread and butter in this game. Uh, Once you get down, it's harder and harder to run the ball. And you don't have a ton of receivers who create separation. And you got Carson Wentz kind of hobbling around on a bum foot. So a lot of it is a recipe for disaster. And this was a Pete Carroll uh, wet dream game because he was able to run the ball. Chris Carson, six for 91. Uh, Eskridge had two for 22, overall 140 yards on the ground. And then Russ did his thing, 18 to 23, 250 plus yards, four touchdowns. This is an ideal Seahawks game, and their D-line dominated on the front. So to me, I underrated the Seahawks. It looks like uh, their D-line is much deeper than I anticipated as well.
1: Yeah. I, um, one of the notes I took from this game, Randy, is no name defense because yeah. that's what Seattle has. But they got after it. They, they played great defense against maybe, you know, we talked about the Colts having a really, really, really good offensive line. And maybe that day has passed. I don't know if it's that good anymore, because what I saw was constant pressure, constant mm-hmm. penetration on almost every play by a bunch of guys that you know i don't know how to rate them i think it'll be interesting as the season goes along and when they play better offensive lines or maybe different teams i don't know but if the seahawks defense is this good against maybe a colts offensive line that is really good i mean we have another nfc west team with a dominant defense like how many nfc west teams can have a dominant defensive front all of them apparently so right but Uh, one of the things I take away: Russell Wilson throws the prettiest deep ball in the NFL. I, I don't, cool. I don't know if I've ever seen a quarterback just put it in just like it gets so high and then mm-hmm. it just goes poof right yeah. into Tyler Lockett's back pocket almost.
0: It's so nice.
1: It, it really is. He is so good at that deep ball. And then you take a look at you know the Colts. You got to worry. I mean, lack of firepower is what I wrote, Randy. I, the, the more I watch this game, the more I'm just like man, who's going to make a big play for them? Who's, who's their big play guy? Michael Pittman looks good as a possession wide receiver, but there's no one I really worry about blowing the top off of a defense. It's just everything feels like it's 10 yards, 15 yards, nothing deeper. And I think they're really going to need some sort of playmaker if they're going to be better than what they are. And to me, like you said, it feels like an average football team.
0: If I had to bet any picks for any teams in the in twenty twenty two in the draft, I would bet the Falcons are going to take a quarterback, and I would <laughs> bet the Colts are going to pick the best wide receiver available because <laughs> they like you said they have nobody that is an explosive that, that is an explosive pass catcher. Like who is it? I, I like Michael Pittman, but he's not really a guy who's going to take a slant to the house. I mean Zach Pascal caught two touchdowns, but he was only four hundred forty three. He's not a guy who's going to kill you. Mahim Hines is and Jonathan Taylor, are the two running backs for their top receivers in this game. Yep. So that that's a problem. And I think that you need to get you need to have some dynamic uh aspects to your offense, you need to have that deep threat. And they really don't have much of, of any of that. So uh the Seahawks came in and took care of business and everyone looked good. And to your point, I, I watched this, I watched a lot of this game, and I just could not believe Seattle's defense did that to the Colts offensive line. And it's a lot of guys you never heard of. It's Brooks, it's Quandre Diggs, it was Jamal Adams, who's healthy, DJ Reed making plays, uh, Trey Flowers, who I forgot they even had. Like they are way better in the front seven than I thought they were going to be. And that could be a big problem for the NFC West and something I overlooked big time in the offseason.
1: Yep. Yeah. Seattle might be
0: dangerous. Uh, yeah. This NFC West is going to be fun to watch. Both Western divisions are incredible. And we're gonna move on to another team, but this time it's the AFC West. And it is the band that I predicted to win the most valuable player award. The Los Angeles, not the other city in California that they're formerly from, Chargers, <laughs> uh, going into Landover, Maryland to beat the Washington football team. Uh, and they were down 13 to nine in this game. And uh, or yeah, 13 to, to 9. They came back, they won this game 20 to 16. And partially because they knocked out the starting quarterback for the Washington football team and Ryan Fitzpatrick, just three of six for 13 yards goes out with a hip injury is now on injured reserve. Taylor Heineke played the rest of this game. Didn't play terrible, I would say. um But look, going forward, he's going to be a quarterback until Ryan Fitzpatrick gets healthy, or if they sign someone. Uh, I heard there's a former MVP available who used to play for Ron Rivera, but I don't know what the situation is there. Um, but nonetheless, I would say it's pretty disappointing from a Washington Football Team standpoint. But when you play a good quarterback, and I cannot hammer this enough with Joe Burrow, point Justin Herbert just made the right plays. He did what he needed to do to win this game, and him and Austin Eckler and Keenan Allen all did the. Thing. Thing at the end of the game that they needed to do. They got key first downs. They moved the chains. They stayed in bounds to keep the clock running. This looked like a veteran football team, and they have a second-year quarterback and a brand-new head coach. I'm very impressed that the Chargers could go all the way on the other side of the country and get this win.
1: Yeah, you give them credit for making that trip and being able to focus with the jet lag and everything, and Washington had every advantage coming into this game. But I, I'll say this. Uh, I love me some offensive linemen. And when we did our draft previews, everyone knows how much I loved Rashawn Slater. Mm -hmm. Watching Slater man up Chase Young a couple of times and Chase Young not being able to do a damn thing about it. You have to feel good if you're a Chargers fan at this point, because you give Justin Herbert time. He is going to rip your soul out of your body. They are really good offensively against a really good defensive team uh you know the linebacking and front seven for washington's good and their secondary is underrated so washington had the defense but man you take a look at this offense it, it's uninspiring uh, you know antonio gibson can only do so much He can only carry the team and he had a hell of a game you know th- there's nothing here that gibson should hang his head
0: about but yeah, a bad fumble but overall played pretty well
1: Yeah, I mean, well, when the the whole defense knows that your offense can't do anything, you know, they're going to go after you. So, to me, the fumble's not great, but with Fitzpatrick or Heineke and uh, Charles Leno's playing left tackle for you. Eric Flowers playing guard
0: for them. I mean,
1: like, how does this happen? How how do you go into a season with those two guys playing on your offensive
0: line? Flowers played well, but he, he clearly still has limitations
1: yeah i mean leno sucks Uh, you know the fact that he's a left tackle in in the nfl is amazing it's like he gets rewarded for being uninjured so Mm -hmm. for for whatever reason that is but yeah we call him speed bump charlie in chicago (laughs) (laughs) because that's all he is he's just a gigantic speed bump so you, you take a look at this washington team i take away more of like a depressed feeling as as a washington fan then i feel elated by the chargers because to me it felt like yeah the chargers almost came away like hey we're supposed to win this game you know th- this is our game to win like it was almost automatic for them yeah. washington it's just like you had everything here it, you know you were healthy and all this stuff and you start getting hurt in the game losing this one hurts uh, I, I do not like what the future holds for this washington football team
0: it's crazy because I woke up Sunday really wanting to bet Washington football team to win the <laughs> NFC East, and I felt really confident in it. Um, but I feel significantly less confident with Heineke at the helm, but at the same time, Heineke played 11, had 11-15 and 122 yards of to the touchdown. I still don't think he played great, but he still played well enough. Um, I think the turnovers is really what killed Washington in this game, and the fact that, like I said, the Chargers looked like the most veteran team on offense. They just made every play they needed to make. They weren't going to blow the doors off Washington. The defense is still damn good for Washington, so they just made the right play. I, it was incredible to see Justin Herbert go through the right progressions do the right things um to me the gibson fumble was was absolutely killer uh because you do it at the five yard line you set them right up for a touchdown um but look it, it, the highlight for washington for me uh and it's the play of the weekend terry mclaurin made an unbelievable catch yeah. If you didn't get to see it, go check it out. He's running, shrieking down to the, s- the sideline, and a safety – I don't know how the safety didn't touch the ball or catch the ball or deflect it or anything, but he runs right past McLaurin, and Terry somehow caught it and stayed in bounds, and his butt landed it before he went out, and the concentration was unbelievable. Washington saw his playmakers. I think Terry McLaurin's a nice player. I think Logan Thomas is a nice player. And I think the world of Gibson, obviously, but if Taylor Heineke does not play uh, at the level that they can hope he does, then they're in real trouble here. And then, you know what, the giants probably feel like they have a more winnable game at hand now with Taylor Heineke here. But I still believe in Washington's defense uh, and I still think that they are good enough to compete for the division but I feel less confident in them running away with it as I once did. So, um, The Chargers, Justin Herbert looked everything like I expected. I don't need to go through it again. Keenan Allen, 9 for 100 did at the end of the game was unbelievable. Mike Williams at 8 for 82 and a touchdown on 12 targets, which is unbelievable because Mike Williams stinks. He had three absolutely horrid drops in this game and yet Herbert still kept throwing to him. I love that aspect of Herbert. He still believes and his guys um, coming out of this game. I still – like I, my two bets going in, I was going to bet on Washington and NFC, and Justin Herbert to an MVP. Um, I still think Herbert has a great chance for that, and I think Washington still has a chance for NFC, East, but I feel less confident in the second one. Uh, I'm still impressed by the Chargers. I, I'm just
1: – Yeah, uh, no, you should, you should be. I mean, it, they went into there and they are able to win a game that maybe they shouldn't have won. Uh, I I still think it's going to be tough sledding, and and we're going to get to the reason why with these next slate of games, but yeah, Chargers, you come away, you got to be pretty happy.
0: Yep, if you're a Chargers fan, that's a game they typically would lose in the past. You know, the Chargers have lost that game one too many times before, so uh, you can't be mad about that. Okay, moving on to one of the probably more boring games of the weekend. And it is the <laughs> Sam Darnold revenge game. Uh the Panthers beating the Jets 19 to 14. Uh Sam Darnold, 24 35, 279 yards. The touchdown, the long touchdown to former Jet, of course, uh, Robbie Anderson. He only had one catch, at 57 yards, and a touch. Um, and the Jet and the Panthers win 19 to 14 over the Jets. Um, this game was won basically in the first half. Carolina was up 16 to nothing. Um, the Jets, you know put together a few things in the second half. If you're a Jets fan, I think you might be a little optimistic on how Wilson looked in the second half. Um, You still have issues on the front line. He was sacked six times. He threw a a brutal pick. The arm talent is clearly there. Um, You have a nice receiver in Corey Davis. I think he played well, five for 97 and two touchdowns, but overall this is going to be a painful rebuilding year for the Jets. And you just hope the, they can be in games. And show you that they're developing as the season goes along because you're not going to win a lot of these. And this was all, Carolina did everything they could to keep you in this game. So um, I, I don't know if you're a Jets fan, I guess you take away the second half wasn't a terrible, it wasn't a complete mess, and that's probably the only optimistic way you can look at it.
1: Oh boy, we have we have to talk about this game, don't we?
0: We don't have to. We can move on. It's eight o'clock. So
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I'll just go through it really quick. Becton got hurt, which is you know just absolutely brutal for this team. Wilson had no time to throw. Um, I believe he did get a touchdown pass, though, if I remember correctly. So to me, the Jets have a lot to work on. Defensively, Yeah, you know, they played all right. Darnold, I'm still not overly impressed with. He's got more weapons. He's got more things he can play with here, but still not great. So just, you know, really these two teams feel like the Jets are going to be a five, four to five win team and the bank, or, and the Panthers will be, Anywhere between six and seven wins, I believe.
0: The the real blow for the Jets is Mackay Becton getting carted off the field. He with a was it an ankle injury, Matt? Do you know exactly what it was?
1: Yeah, it. it well, I know it's a dislocated kneecap. Like A kneecap. Okay. Yep. Yeah, so he's getting arthroscopic surgery on that, and I believe the recovery time they said is four to five weeks.
0: Yeah, so he's on IR. He'll miss six weeks of game time, and that's a big blow. I mean, McBecton was their big first-round tackle, who was a stud. Um, so the offensive line already looked shaky enough, and then you lose him. So that's tough for the Jets. Um, my last note on this game, it was good to have Christian McCaffrey back in our lives because yes. he – is damn good always uh all right <laughs> we're gonna move on to another stink fest you don't need to spend a lot of time on this but the most shocking t- game of the weekend Matt Bush so the Texans won a game <laughs> I would probably predict them to go winless this year uh but no the Jacksonville Jaguars had other plans and this game was not close the Texans win 37 to 21 and trust me that 21 is uh all garbage time is the definition of it uh the Texans dominated this game Tyrod Taylor 21 to 33 291 yards two touchdowns the Texans ran the ball over the Jag, all over the Jags, 160 yards on the ground between Mark Ingram, Terod Taylor, Phillip Lindsey, and David Johnson just saying, stop us, Jacksonville, and they couldn't do it. Um, and Brandon Cook's five for 132. I love him as a sleeper in fantasy and looks like he's going to be that guy as well. So uh, I would say uh, maybe there was another shocking outcome, which we still to talk about. The Texans dominating anyone is something I definitely didn't <laughs> think happened this year. And uh, the Jags and the number one overall pick in Trevor Lawrence made it look easy for them.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, this is the Trevor, or sorry, the Tyrod Taylor just revenge tour right now, you know. No lung punctures this year for this guy. Uh, <laughs> you give him credit, man. He looks sharp. He looked good. The Texans, David Culley, um, really kudos to him for a guy that was just overwhelmingly criticized. A lot of people thought he should have never had the job. Good for him for spanking Urban Meyer who uh, many people think the Jags have a better roster than the Texans. I
0: do.
1: Yeah. I mean, uh, Urban Meyer, let's just face it. I I don't want to spend too much time on this game, but Urban Meyer just, he's a college coach. And I I think that's what we saw on Sunday. Just woefully just uninspired football from the Jags. So Urban, just go ahead and go to USC. Enjoy that SoCal Sun. Win (laughs) us a national title and then we can have it vacated years later. It's all fine, it's all good.
0: You know, it's part of the Urban Meyer experience. Uh <laughs> I just want to note Trevor Lawrence, 28 of 51, 332 yards, three touchdowns, three picks, Uh forgettable opener for Lawrence. Um, I, I expected a little bit more from him. I think he has a good rapport with his receivers. DJ Chark, three for 86 in the touchdown. Marvin Jones, five for 77 in a touchdown. And LaVisca Chenault, seven for 50. But I think Lawrence needs to clean up a few things. The offensive line certainly didn't help in the run game, certainly didn't help either. Um, But the Jags, um, like you're getting boat raced by the time. Texans, not a great start to the year by any means.
1: No, and I I said Trevor Lawrence would throw for 400 yards. Came awfully close. Garbage time still counts.
0: True, sure does. All right, I think we don't need to talk much more about that game. Other than it's it's important to note, the Houston Texans currently lead the AFC South. Think about that for a second. Uh, That division might be the NFC East uh, from 2020. (laughs) Yeah, maybe. Who knows? All right. The, in in quite opposite fashion, this game was a very entertaining. Uh, two uh, two powerhouse AFC teams and two uh, teams that met in the postseason. The Browns somehow pulled a Giants and clutched the <laughs> clutched defeat from the claws of victory in this game. Uh, the Chiefs were on the ropes, backs against the wall the entire time, and they were able to pull it out, thirty three to twenty nine, on thanks to uh, a guy you may have heard of, um, Patrick Mahomes. Um, thir- 27 to 36, 337 yards, three touchdowns uh, with the help from Tyreek Hill, who you also may have heard of 11 catches, 197 yards and a touchdown and Travis Kelsey, six of 76, the two touchdowns. Like this is the big three for them. It's not a secret. This is who's going to, how they're going to win games. This is how they might make it to another Super Bowl and win another Super Bowl. Um, But if you're the Browns and you're Baker Mayfield, you want the interception back. Uh, you want the, the chub, you want the, the fumble back and you probably win this game, but you know, know what you basically have to go in you're going to go in the lambo you have to play a perfect game to beat the chiefs
1: yeah to me the way i look at the chiefs is that you you just can never think that you have a game one every moment against them is a high tense moment thinking that you know you have to bury them i think when you look at the interception the fumble and then the muffed punt which was Mm -hmm. equally back breaking for them It's just too much to overcome. You know, the Chiefs, you really have to play a clean game of football. You can't have mistakes. I mean, even with a bad offensive line in the Super Bowl, Tampa still respected the Chiefs, and they played a very clean game. Mm -hmm. You know, and then we take a look at Cleveland. It's still, to me, the AFC feels like you have all these teams, and then you have the very good teams. Like, we talked about Buffalo. We talked about – um, you know, maybe Pittsburgh, you know, Baltimore, and Cleveland. But then there's the Chiefs. And the Chiefs are just a team that you have to stay on top of. You always have to be mindful of the smallest little details, or you're going to lose this game because Patrick Mahomes is that good. Travis Kelsey, you have to make sure he's locked up. They call the play and you know, Kelsey ran this route that wasn't even a route. It wasn't even in the playbook. He just runs mm-hmm. this route, and they end up getting the touchdown from it. That's how good the Chiefs are at ad-libbing. Mahomes thinks as Kelsey. Kelsey thinks as Mahomes. Hill thinks as Kelsey. It's like they all are all on the same page, and that's what makes them so dangerous. Whereas Cleveland, you know, the, the big takeaway for me, Randy, is, well, I'll, I'll say two things. The defense looks good. You know, mm-hmm. even against Kansas City, the defense looks good. Clowney looks like he is the perfect pairing next to Miles Garrett. It, it's Clowney showed up on tape. Mm-hmm. But to me, this offense, as, as crazy as may sound, they need OBJ to be
0: New York Giants OBJ. They sure do. Because He this, was in this game, by the way. He said he didn't feel 100%, and they didn't want to risk it, so he did not play.
1: Yeah, I mean, if, if this team's going to do anything, they have to have that explosive playmaker, and he's that guy. And if he's not the New York Giants OBJ, and he's just kind of, like, banged up, never going to be 100% OBJ, I, I don't know where Cleveland goes from here because they got to get a wide receiver like a Hopkins. Uh, you know, I, I we used to say Julio Jones. They could have really used Julio mm-hmm. from his Atlanta days, but to, to yeah. me it's just – they need somebody. Jarvis Landry is a perfect possession receiver, but I never felt that Cleveland had that explosive playmaker.
0: If you're a Browns fan, you're absolutely sick about this game because you were dominating this game. You were up real big and you felt really good about it. The defense was controlling the Chiefs. And the turnovers, the turnovers absolutely kill you. And honestly, when you're down, no team is in a better place to win when they're down more than the Chiefs. They yeah. almost always have you right where they want you because they can score three touchdowns. I believe they scored two touchdowns in a minute, in a span of a minute game time. Mm-hmm. Like they're one of the very few teams who can do that. And, that throw to Tyreek it wasn't even a great throw, but the adjustment by Tyreek, the 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 knowing I'm going to throw it up and give him a chance to make a play is that instinct that very few quarterbacks actually have and very few uh, players in, in the league. And, you know, Tyreek Hill is one of those guys who can do that. Um, and the Chiefs always seem to find a way to do this. And when you turn the ball over, it only makes their their efforts easier. So even even the AFC title game against the Patriots, that the Chiefs lost, they were down I believe two scores, and they almost came back and won that game. But to the Patriots' credit, they didn't turn the ball over. The Browns have to clean that up, and they'll be fine. Um, but like you said. Uh, and in the narrative it doesn't it doesn't fit the narrative Matt that you know they don't need Odell and they're playing better without Odell. The Browns need Odell yeah. and they need Odell to be good and he hasn't been the same Odell since he got there. He, I know he had a thousand yards his first year first two years but he hasn't been the same explosive guy. They need that guy and if he's on the field he still opens up everything for everyone else and that's exactly what the Browns offense needs. So if you're the Browns you're sick you lost the game you still did a lot of good things and if you're the Chiefs look this was probably as close as you're going to get to losing the game all year and if you're if you're Chiefs fan you're probably a little concerned about the offensive line I, th- I know it's sort of been patched up this year I don't think it looked great but you're playing Miles Garrett Clowney like you said those guys played really well and the Browns yeah. defense played really well um so maybe it's not a total loss but at the same time uh if you're going to be concerned about anything it's the line combined with uh Clyde Edwards Hilaire probably should play a little bit better too
1: yeah and I, well I'll say this too and I, I wrote this down right now, and we talk about OBJ for the Browns but if you're a Chiefs fan you know I, I am a pseudo Chiefs fan with how bad <laughs> my Bears are but like we talked about it all offseason is McCall Hardman gonna step up Demarcus Robinson is he gonna step up Clyde Edwards Hilaire is he gonna step up and the answer that we saw yesterday was no no and no
0: mm-hmm.
1: they need somebody else Mm -hmm. And they don't have it. And if they had somebody else, that would make them complete. You take a look at the Buccaneers, and this is what I'm measuring them against now, because that's who they lost. Mm -hmm. Mike Evans doesn't have to play a great game. Why? Because you got Godwin, Antonio Brown, and Gronk. Mm -hmm. That makes a huge difference, because they have options. You have two guys. You got to have that third. Got to have that third if you're going to be.
0: It's important to remember they went hard after Juju Smith-Schuster uh, this year because he yeah. was a free agent, and he went back to Pittsburgh on that one-year deal. I mean, they knew they needed another weapon. Uh, it's not something that they completely ignored, but, I mean, at the same time, those those guys they got are pretty damn good. They just need CEH and Hardman to step up, and so far they haven't done that. Exactly. Okay. Um, yeah. Emmanuel Davila, Scotty Miller can ball too. It's true. The the bucks are just insanely loaded. Yeah. yeah, They're they're so loaded. It's, It's not even right. Antonio Brown would be a number one on most teams in the league still. And he's their number three. Uh, all right. Uh, All right, moving on the AFC East matchup, the Miami Dolphins going into New England and shoving it to the New England Patriots, Uh, winning 17 to 16. This is a a defensive, hard-nosed football game. It came comes down to the turnovers again. Um, I I feel like if you're a Patriots fan, your takeaways are Mac Jones looked good, 29 to 39 and a touchdown. Uh, But overall, the turnovers are the killer, and you had two fumbles, one by my boy Damian Harris, and the other by Ramondre Stevenson, who fumbled on his first carry, Uh, and that's basically. Basically, the difference of the game and Brian Flores man he is an unbelievable coach because he is what walks in New England and said I'm not afraid to build Belichick take this and he does and he wins with Tua who didn't play a great game he played fine uh but overall it leaves a lot on the field that you you know wish you could do better at um but overall this is a big win for the Dolphins I'm very impressed with how they went into New England and took care of business
1: yeah I mean I just I don't know if the same if it's the same Patriots Mac Jones to me looked you know, I guess people say he looked the most prepared out of all the rookies. But I mean, he played one year at Alabama. He it was pretty good. I mean, you can't take that away from him. To me, though, it's just it was really just kind of, yeah. I I didn't like the flow of the game. Mac Jones left a lot of throws out there. He took a lot more checkdowns than you know. Basically, he played what Bill Belichick wanted them to play. As far as Tua. I know they played the Patriots, but man, this has got to be disappointing if you're a Dolphins fan. Like this is he's supposed to launch into being a you know a top 15 quarterback. And instead, he looks very much like he's gonna be a bottom 10 quarterback Mm. just because he cannot make those key throws. And you know, they have what they have weapons. They have Waddle, they have Gasecki, and they have um yeah, Devontae Parker.
0: And, uh, and they have, what's his name, coming back off suspension next week. Um, Will Fuller. So
1: Yeah, I mean, th- th- this is concerning at this point because he's still missing reads. He's still at, He's like, he sees things, and I don't know what the hell he's looking at. So, to, to me, I, I don't, the, the Patriots are probably a better football team than the Dolphins, but the Dolphins, Just I I don't know man. If they played each other ten times, they probably split five and five. You know this is kind of like mirror images. Great both
0: coaches, and I tip my hat to Flores because he's really good. Yep, I agree. Uh, not a touch, ton more to talk about in this game, really. I mean, it was hard nose and it came down to the turnovers. That's really the story for me. Uh, I, w- I would say Gaskin, uh, not Gaskin, uh, Gaskin actually did look pretty good, I would say. Yeah. Uh, Jalen, Jalen, Jalen Waddle with the touchdown catch in this game I and mean, he looked really good. And I picked him to win rookie of the year. So that makes me feel good. And by the way, I traded uh, he most in a league. And he was my fourth running back for Jalen Waddle because it's a keeper league and I get to keep Waddle nice. in the future. And so far, that's looking like a wonderful trade for me because the model <laughs> scored and most now out for the entire season so I'm looking I'm liking that a lot um but hey now now the Patriots and Bills find themselves uh with the Jets behind the Dolphins in the division who now lead it so I I know it's early but that's that's a big win for Miami and uh I still think their uniforms are candy ass but <laughs> hey you'll take every you can get especially if those divisional games are very important all right, we're going to another team, another team, not even from Florida, but a game that they had to play in Florida. Uh, and this I would say the Texans was the most shocking outcome of the week, but I'd be lying to myself because this game truly it still stuns me. The New Orleans Saints just absolutely crushing the Packers 38 to 3. Uh LASIK Jameis Winston might be the greatest quarterback ever. Um, 14 to 20, 148 yards, five touchdowns for Jameis Winston, um, he he was all over the place. He was so good. Uh, Alvin Kamara, 20 of 83 on the ground, adding three for eight on the air with a touchdown. So this Jameis is throwing the ball to guys like Deontay Harris and Juwan Johnson and Adam Troutman and Marcus Callaway and Chris Hogan and still exists somehow. Like the Saints are a lot of no-name players on offense, and Jameis is slinging it. To your point, all offseason Matt Bushnell is maybe James is better than Drew Brees was last year, and we're seeing that now. And but this isn't even the story to me. This is like the most crazy narrative ever, and it's so funny. But Rodgers and all the dramatic uh issues he had with the, with the Packers offseason was he going to come back? Was he going to trade? Was he going to retire? Uh, was he going to host Jeopardy? And he's back, and he didn't look back. He did not look like he looked like he missed all camp, he looked like he missed all preseason. He looked like he was so disengaged to the point where many people are saying he pulled a Paul crew and just blew the game on purpose. <laughs> uh, he was fifteen to 28. 133 yards, no touchdowns, and two picks. That might be the worst game of Rogers' career. He was so bad. The Packers, in general, were just horrendous. Matt bushel can you explain what happened here? I, I cannot believe the outcome of this game.
1: And man, it was a whole lot of bad. um I kind of alluded to it when they moved it to Jacksonville. Aaron Rodgers is terrible in Florida. Like, mm-hmm. if he has to go to Florida, he is uh, at best an average quarterback. To me. I want to talk about Jameis Winston here because it just kind of felt weird last season. And then going into this season, like, you know, there's something to this Sean Payton thing. And then the LASIK, I mean, if, if LASIK doesn't get him as a sponsor, I don't know what the hell they should do because this is just the perfect sponsor. He was picking apart that Packers defense left and right. And if this is the Packers defense that they're going to be throwing out there every week, I mean, the NFC North is going to be a joke. It it really is because you're going to be playing teams with a lot better offenses, especially in that NFC West with a guy like Kyler Murray, with a guy like Russell Wilson. Um, The 49ers don't have a quarterback, which is fine because they run the football with eight guys. And then, you know, you play the Rams with Matthew Stafford with a real team. Now, to me, the Packers defense is bad. They didn't do much to improve it the whole drama thing and it goes back to teams like the um, what we talk about with all the drama in the offseason. I already forgot them, but you know, you, you just can't go into a season with drama and have all of this, this stuff hanging over your head. So to me, the Packers have a lot of work to do, and I think they'll be fine. I think they'll write the ship. I don't think they're winning 14 or 13 games. I think to me, the Packers feel like an 11 win team right now, but Man, the Saints—if they—if they uncovered a gem in Jameis Winston and he can play quarterback, you know, a former number one overall pick, we know he's got talent, and some of those throws were just on a dime. Mm-hmm. So to me, you know, things are looking up for the Saints.
0: They—my whole perception this is why it's Overreaction Tuesday because I had these thoughts on so many teams, and the Saints being bad was one of my takes that I was pretty I thought I was pretty spot on with. And boy, did they change my mind. Like their defense is really solid and really stout. And I think that presented a lot of problems for the Packers to the point where, like, I think Rodgers was like, all right, screw this, I don't even care anymore. Um, But I just – I don't know if the no-name offense can be this good all the time. I think the Packers' defense still is not that great, so that helped too. But overall, they played inspired football. I think Sean Payton is the perfect guy to be your coach. He understands the importance of of what the the team means to the city, especially after another hurricane hits the city and they're not even allowed to play there. Um, Look, Sean Payton, I'm sorry I underestimated you you're still a great head coach one of the best ones in the league and if you're going to do this Jameis winston uh drew Brees, who uh who cares that he's gone because they're not going to miss him very much at all at this point uh unbelievable 38 to 3 and i considered the packers as my survivor pick and i considered the vikings as my survivor pick and i'm very thankful i went with the 49ers instead uh my goodness all right we're moving on now um to the last game on the schedule now. Yes, we finally made it. And if you're wondering, oh, Randy hasn't talked about the Giants yet. <laughs> I don't really want to talk about the Giants because the Giants stink. Uh, as I correctly predicted, and I have been adamant about this for the entire offseason. And I know I'm, I'm very disliked on Giants Twitter because I'm very realistic and I don't romanticize and I'm not optimistic at all. I really try to live in how optimistic I am because being optimistic really only sets yourself up for disappointment <laughs> and heartbreak. And I'm over it. I'm not doing it with the Giants anymore. I For years, for 10 years, I I hyped up every player they had, every practice squad player that looked good, every uh, fourth-round pick they drafted. I was like, oh, this guy's got potential. They could do this. Oh, maybe the offensive line won't be as bad. I'm not doing it to myself anymore. I will be negative to an extreme before I give them the benefit of the doubt because that's what they deserve. The only team at Bushnell since 2016 to not have a winning record at any point in time is the New York Giants, and that continues because the Broncos won 27-13, to 13, and honestly, the score didn't wasn't even that close. The Broncos really came in and did what I expected them to do. They dominated the line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball. Teddy Bridgewater, and this is why they picked him to be the, the quarterback, he is not conservative, but he's not going to turn the ball over. He makes plays with his legs, and he just makes the safe play almost every single time, and that's what I love about the guy. He finished 28-36, to 36, 264 yards and two touchdowns, And then the sealer of the game here was a Melvin Gordon, 70-yard touchdown. He finished 11 for 101 in a touch. I think if you're a Giants fan, the biggest disappointment was the defense. Um, You don't expect them to give up 70-yard touchdown runs to Melvin Gordon, and you don't necessarily expect Teddy Bridgewater to play that well. But ultimately, when your defense is on the field, now i got to find the time of possession here, but they were on the field forever. The offense could not get a single thing going at all. They, they got a 43 yard play early on in the first quarter because of a offsides on the Broncos. They had a free play. Daniel Jones said, Screw it, I'm going to chuck it up. That was it. And then they went, ran a, a sweep to Tony that lost two yards, ran a play up the middle that gained a yard, and they had an incompletion on third down. And they had to, uh, and they ended up punting. They didn't even get a field goal out of it. So the Giants and Jason Garrett's offense is a mess. Daniel Jones with another absolutely brutal fumble. Running and he even covered the ball up with both of his hands embracing bracing for the hit, probably in his mind saying, don't fumble, don't fumble. And he still fumbled. Then you're going to hit that hard. The guy drives me absolutely nuts. Oh, my God. The the really only bright spot for the Giants it was Sterling Shepard. He had seven for 113 and scored the, the touchdown. He made a really nice play on the touchdown. But Saquon Barkley looks horrible, Uh, was graded the worst, least efficient running back in the league in week one. That's not ideal. He he could become a boat anchor real quick with this bad offensive line. Kennedy Galladay only got six targets. I wanted him to get more love. We had four for 64, made a couple of tough grabs. Um, Logan Ryan made one nice play on defense. Besides that, the defense got pretty torched in this game. So i um, frustrated by the giants. I don't know why they expected anyone expected more, but you know, if the giants continue to look like this. We're talking about them picking in the top five once again, and moving on from this GM and definitely moving on from the quarterback too. Yeah. Well, I'll touch on that in a
1: second here. Um, you know, the Broncos have an embarrassment of riches, at, in, in the backfield, defensive backfield, you know, with Kyle Fuller, Patrick Sertan II, the um, and then Ronald Darby, who got hurt this game and is now on IR. Mm-hmm. Um, it's all pretty significant in the grand scheme of this game, but when I looked at the game, Teddy Bridgewater just dissected everything that they tried to do. They couldn't really get anything going because Daniel Jones has this the game looks so fast to him for playing in so many games. His mechanics are just all, all over the place, just everywhere. You know, his body, his hips aren't following through the ball. He's short arming the ball. He's overthrowing wide receivers. He's underthrowing wide receivers. You know, he had a couple of really nice throws. I thought the deep ball to the sideline to Sterling Shepard was absolutely just a gorgeous pass but the inconsistencies are too much. Um, I don't think this guy is a starting caliber NFL quarterback for a winning football team. To me, it feels like he's going to be a quarterback journeyman who's just kind of a bridge guy, if not a backup, a la Mitch Trubisky esque Mm -hmm. So then you take a look at Saquon Barkley, you know, I give him the benefit of the doubt with the ACL injury But still, he just he looked hesitant. There were holes that they opened up. I saw one sweet play where it's just like if he just goes forward, he gets five yards and he just wanted to watch. He was waiting for his blocks to develop. I'm not a big Saquon Barkley watcher, Randy. So I don't know if that's his style just in general. But to me, I think there needs to be more north south. Like when the hole's there, you got to hit it
0: like it's got to be quick. That's the biggest flaw in his game. I mean, he's a very talented player, but he's always been a home run guy. He likes to kick it outside. He's very east and west. He's huge. He's got massive thighs. <laughs> He's getting massive th- uh, quads. Um, you you got to run north south. And it's always been the biggest criticism as for him as a runner. Um, the Giants offensive line has never been great in his tenure here. But at the same time, you still get holes to run through. And what separates the best running backs in the league from him is that they're patient. They take the handoff, look for the hole and run forward. He will almost always kick it outside and, and not hesitate to do so.
1: Yeah, and, and th- that's not going to be good for this team because their offensive line's not built for that. You know, it, it, it's got to be north south at this point. Defensively, the Broncos were able to, you know, weather, you know, whatever storm that the Giants tried to bring their way with blitzes and pass rushes. Blake Martinez looks okay, but he's getting long in the tooth. I don't mm-hmm. know how many quality games he's going to be able to put up for the Giants this year. And outside of Logan Ryan, that that secondary gave a lot of room for those wide receivers to work. Like, there was just holes galore. They picked their spots. Jerry Judy, Tim Patrick, Cortland Sutton, Noah Fant was just eating them up all over the place. And to me, that's a big concern because Teddy Bridgewater is not the most dynamic quarterback in the NFL. He'll pick you apart. But if the Giants play a team like the Cardinals or one of those more aggressive teams that can really open things up, they're going to get chewed up. I mean, it it is going to get ugly for the New York Giants. Uh, When it comes to the Broncos, I think defensively they have the formula to slow down the Chiefs. And I think they may be one of two or three teams that can do it. Um, They have the pass rush and the secondary to do it. So, I'll be interested to see how the Broncos are able to man up. I think they got to have Darby, though. If, if they're going to be playing the Chiefs, if they can have Darby and those two other corners and Fuller and Sertan, and with those safeties, mm-hmm. I think they got a really good chance against the Chiefs. So, the Chiefs better not try to play that let's get down early game. Yeah. But I really liked what I saw from the Broncos.
0: Bob Miller, I thought, looked good in his return. He missed yeah. all last year, obviously. Bradley Chubb was a uh, scratch on this game, a game-time decision. He did not play, so uh, you got to imagine the pass rush is only going to get better when he plays. Um, look, it's alarming the Giants' defense because James Bradbury, you expected to play better. I hated the Adore Jackson signing from the very beginning, and yeah. he looked bad. Um bro Ch- Ch- Peppers, who is a giant favorite, only played half the snaps in this game. So what does that say about a guy who you guys consider to be a captain? Uh, look, the, I've heard the Lorenzo Carter story forever. He doesn't look very good. Nope. Uh, Aziz Ojalari had a sack in this game. I've, I went home <laughs> and picked him as the defensive rookie of the year, so I like that. Um, but other than that, the Giants' defense still – I mean, Reggie Fraglin was, was probably played better than Blake Martinez. Didn't say much in this game. But um, the Giants going to be one of the bad teams again this year and Joe Judge even had a bad game. Joe Judge uh, challenged a touchdown, and uh, breaking news, he can't challenge a touchdown because those are already reviewable plays. So um, big-time mistake for him, and he cost him a timeout and a 15-yard penalty. So if any player had done that, and his reasoning was to get the attention of the officials, by the way, not a great answer. So if any player had done that, I guarantee they're forced to run a lap or two. So I hope Joe Judge uh, runs a lap in practice this week for that hmm. crucial you better do more than a lap with that stupidity it's just bad 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 decision making on his part um It's going to be a long year. Jason Garrett's the coordinator, and uh, this is how this is going to go. Um, One other thing from this game before we move on. Jerry Judy had a a scary uh, incident in this game. looked like he broke his ankle. It looked like his ankle was facing a completely different direction, his foot anyway. It looked like the DAC injury all over again. Uh, But good news for him, he only has a high ankle sprain, uh, and he'll miss six weeks. Uh, But they said he'll be back. So, I mean, how bad it looked and how bad it is, you know, you'll sign, sign the Broncos fans up for that all day.
1: Yeah, I think it's going to be a little bit, you know, those injuries are so tricky, though, because those high ankle sprains, they don't always heal the way they're supposed to heal. It can take longer. It can be shorter. So, you know, it'll be interesting to see how that heals. It may be bothering him the entire year, though.
0: Yeah, I agree with you for sure. Um, but ultimately, that's still better news. I mean, if it's a clean break, that's one thing. But if it's a DAC type injury, that's a season ender and it might affect the rest of his career. So you're probably happy it's not. Yeah, that. absolutely all right well we we kind of ended with the giants because we got to talk about the giants first things first for week two unfortunately um so we're going to transition into this we're going to do a quick week two preview here uh this is why these episodes are going to be longer we're not doing two shows a week we, we we can't really commit to that unfortunately we have we have lives and, and other things <laughs> going on so we're going to yes. listen to one episode matt bushnell and uh do our best with this okay
1: yeah, unfortunately we do have lives. I love that line. Unfortunately, you know, we
0: can't just sit here and do football shows every day. I wish we got paid for this. You know, it'd be much probably more, more exciting than our actual lives sometimes. All right. Well, Thursday night football is becoming a real stinker here <laughs> with the Taylor Heineke Daniel Jones matchup. Uh and I I, I think, you know what? It's funny because I you go know, to the list and you look at the schedule and you're like, oh, this is a winnable game. This is a winnable game. This is a winnable game. I heard all off season Broncos is a winnable game, Washington's a winnable game look the Giants are the winnable game on the other team's schedule (laughs) see the Giants and they're like fuck yeah I can't wait to play the Giants like the Giants are that team for other teams like it's been a thing for a long time now and it's depressing but it's the truth I'm sure the Giants fans are looking at Taylor Heineke and going we can't lose to Taylor Heineke right oh well, I'm sure Washington goes, hey, we played Justin <laughs> Herbert last week. We can write that off as a loss. We're playing Daniel freaking Jones this week in a team that got smoked by the Broncos with Teddy Bridgewater. Who cares if we have a quarterback? Let's, let's, let's let the rest of the talent on our team take care of business here. So not a great not, not a great quarterback matchup by any means, but I just think Washington's talent uh, gets the job done.
1: I mean, we went from Rashawn Slater, who I absolutely love, manning up Chase Young. To who? Anthony Thomas? Or-
0: well, Andrew Thomas played well in that game. Uh, he had a good rating anyway. I wouldn't say he played great. Um, but the rest of I mean, there are clips of Nate Solder surrounding the internet right now at that right tackle <laughs> spot that he couldn't have stayed in front of me. And he was playing Von Miller. So he, that's why things went poorly for the Giants on Sunday.
1: I just, uh, Yeah, to me, this game's going to suck. I, I, I don't think there's a whole lot of interesting storylines, but Washington's defense is they have the best defensive player in the NFL. Maybe I, I, I don't know. Cause I don't want to disrespect Aaron Donald in that regard. Cause Aaron Donald's fantastic. Chase Young's equally fantastic along with miles Garrett. But man, this just feels like they, Daniel Jones is going to get cooked. Could I see the giants winning this game? Yeah. I mean, if, if everything in the world fell exactly right for the giants on Thursday night, And the Washington offense just can't get out of their way. But to me, Randy, I don't see it. I I like Washington here, but I think it's going to be a hard watch. I'm seeing maybe like 17 to nine, possibly. It's just, I, I don't, whatever the number is for total points, play the under.
0: Yeah, it's going to be a stink fest. And hey, Chase Young had a quiet week one, I would say, um, which means that scares me for this week. (laughs) Yeah, Uh, You know what? I don't I don't like Barkley on a short week as bad as he looked. Um, The turnaround is just too fast for me to be any optimistic at all about the Giants. I think, you know, you look at the Giants wins in the last five years, a lot of them have come against backup quarterbacks. So that gives you a little bit of play here. But at the same time, I just I'm, – I'm done giving him any optimism. So, uh, Daniel Jones is undefeated against Washington in his career, I should add. He's 4-0. Uh, I think that comes to an end on Thursday Night Football. I know that's a shocker to all the Giants fans who know me that I'm not picking the Giants. But, hey, all I, all I ask is for you to show me something. And until you do, I'm not giving you any benefit of the doubt. Uh, I think Washington wins 20 to – I'll give the Giants 14. And one of those is another garbage-time touchdown like they had this past week.
1: Yeah, I, there's just too much stuff lining up here for Chase Young to have a big game. And it's Daniel Jones at quarterback, which I hate. So, yeah, I, I'm, I'm surprised some people said that the Giants were going to get seven wins. I, I don't know what they saw, but you know.
0: Look, between the Giants and this next team we're about to talk about, uh, there might have two top 10 first rounders. Next <laughs> here week. we go. I'm excited about that idea, as long as Dave Gettleman is very far away from the <laughs> team. All right. Uh let's, we're gonna do some quick picks. We're not gonna do full previews like we used to do. Obviously, we're jamming all these in one show. So we're just gonna go down the list of all the matchups, give a quick little line or two, and just give a prediction. So, Matt, we're gonna start off with your Chicago Bears, and they get the Cincinnati Bengals coming to town. And uh look, you made fun of the Vikings for losing to the Bengals. Watch out, Joe Burrow's coming. <laughs> uh the
1: White Sox cannot lose this game. Oh, i just the White Sox. I'm thinking <laughs> about our bet. Uh I'm ready for that one. Uh, but no. The Bears cannot lose to the Bengals. They absolutely cannot. If, if they lose this game, I, I, I'm almost with you, Randy. I, it's probably going to be a top 10 pick because that means that this is absolute garbage. But what I saw against the Rams is I know they can run the ball against Cincinnati. I, I know they can control the clock. I know they can pick up first downs. The question is, can they get points? Then offensively for the Bengals, they might be able to move the ball. But I, I just, th- th- this is the must win game for the Bears. Like, they have to win this game for, for anything. And if they lose this game, Nagy should be fired right afterwards. <laughs> so I'm going to take the Bears 21 to 20 versus the Bengals.
0: Ooh. All right. Well, we have an Andy Dalton Rebend game going against the 14. So that's an intriguing storyline, I suppose. Um, but look, if the bears defense is going to be this bad and quit <laughs> like they did against the Rams, how do I know Joe Burrow, with Jamar Chase and Tyler Boyd and T Higgins isn't going to do the same thing to the bears defense that Matt Stafford did. Uh, I know you're at home, but Chicago in September is not the same as Chicago in December. You know that, uh, it's still beautiful at Chicago in September this time of year. So the weather I can't imagine will be too much of a problem, um, I hate to do this to you, but I think I'm going to go since you here on the upset because I don't trust the bears and I don't trust Andy Dalton. Uh, and if they lose this game, I expect Justin Fields in week three. So it could be a blessing in that aspect that you, you, you ditch the red rifle after he loses in his former team and you go full on committed to Justin Fields. And I like the Bengals to win in this game. Uh, I will say 24 to 20. And I expect like an all time stinker from Dalton against a defense that he should play well against. So, uh, all right moving on now to the other team in Ohio, they get the Houston Texans, the first place Houston Texans coming into Cleveland. Um, and the Browns I think need the Texans in their life right now. I think after that loss to the chiefs, uh, this feels like a get right game. This feels like a bounce back game. Like, Hey, we blew the game against the best team in the NFL, but let's, uh, let's fix it against the Texans. And I think this is just a classic Nick Chubb gets 150 yards on the ground. Kareem hunt adds hundred all purpose yards and maybe Odell finds the end zone in his season debut as well. So, uh, Just at surface value here, I would go Cleveland uh, 31, Texans 14. Yeah,
1: to me, it just feels like a Cleveland revenge game. Stefanski's not going to lose two games in a row. So I'm going to take Cleveland 34, Houston 24. I think Houston's better offensively than we may think.
0: You might be right about that. So I like that. All right. Yeah, this is going to be quick. I call them quick picks in the rundown. We're going to keep them going here just because we want to get done within that two-hour time frame for you guys uh, and for our own mental health, I would say. Yes. Uh, <laughs> all right, we have the Los Angeles Rams traveling to Lucas Oil Stadium to play the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, and I think I don't feel any, I cannot feel more on the opposite end of the spectrum <laughs> about two teams than I do. Uh, how high I feel about the Rams and how low I feel about the Colts. Uh, and I think it's going to continue in this game. You get Stafford in a dome again and Carson, they got to go get Aaron Donald I just feel like this is going to be a rough game for Carson Wentz and to me I just think the Rams are going to keep rolling I just I have no reason to believe they won't Uh, I think the Bears defense on paper anyway should be better than the Colts defense so and they got absolutely torched so uh, I like the Rams and I like them I'll give them a little I'll say 31 and then I'll say the Colts 17.
1: The Bears had Darnell Mooney, Allen Robinson David Montgomery, Jimmy Graham, Cole Komet, and even with the threat of Justin Fields possibly getting some packages. So I know the Bears' offense is better than the Colts' offense just because of those playmakers. And they got the doors blown off them at the end. Uh, It's just longevity. How long can you keep on trading punches? I don't know whose defense is better between the Colts and the Bears. I don't really care at this point. I'm going to take the Rams 37, the Colts 14.
0: Yeah, I just think the Rams are going to absolutely – Role teams this year, too. Yeah, all right. Uh, going to Miami, where the Dolphins have their first home game of the year against the Buffalo Bills, and things get ugly early here for Buffalo <laughs> if they do not win this game. And I, I mean, if Miami is finally licking their chops, like, hey, we could have a two game lead on the Bills in this division early on, that'd be great. Um, <laughs> but then you know, I you have two quarterbacks that I don't necessarily trust. I probably trust Josh Allen more than Tua at this point in time, but I love Brian Flores, I love the coaching matchup. You know, these are two good teams that we have here um buffalo i would think is coming off and, and have a bad taste in their mouth after that loss last week and i would hope they go down into miami and take care of business but at the same time miami is not an easy out so they could go down to miami and it could be a similar thing as pittsburgh maybe the defense shuts them down maybe josh allen has another rough game i expect this to be i expect many miami games to be played out like the patriots game they played this past weekend um i don't know if miami wins part of me wants to pick them here but part of me also thinks that Buffalo can't go down in this division. 0-2 already like this. So it's possible. Uh, it would not shock me at all, but I'm going to go Buffalo here in an absolute uh, just barn burner of a game. I'm going to say 20 to 19 Buffalo over Miami. All right. Get ready.
1: Upset alert. Upset oh, alert. Okay. Yeah. I'm taking the dolphins, baby. Uh, in Miami, Josh Allen is going to revert back to his 2019. Josh Allen form, not his 2020 with fans, he hasn't experienced it. Totally different environment. So now I think Miami is going to beat Josh Allen 20 to 19 in Same Miami. School.
0: Just flipping it on me.
1: That's right, baby. Wow. Okay. All right.
0: Well, then there'd be a Tua uh, and oh. uh... <laughs> O. Tua uh, and O. Oh. <laughs> I'll be here all week. All right. The other AFC East matchup is the matchup with the other two teams. It's the England Patriots going to MetLife to play the New York Jets. Uh, And this feels much like the Browns game felt to me. I feel like it's going to be a get, get, get right game for the Pats. The Jets feel like they're going to struggle uh, against some of these good defenses with their offensive line. I think Bill Belichick is pretty angry with the fumbles last week. I expect a big game on the ground from Damian Harris. Mac Jones will have a clean game. Like I expect Mac Jones just to be a clean overall game manager type guy, but I expect New England to to really make Zach Wilson's day pretty miserable, and the Jets offense is like pretty miserable in general because the Jets offense, um, especially the line, overall just needs some work. So I expect the Pats to just win big here. Let's say twenty-seven uh, to seven. I'll say the Jets score once, uh, but overall the Patriots take care of business.
1: Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, I'm not going to add too much narrative here. Uh, I'll take the Patriots 27 to the Jets
0: 11. 11 that might be a score got me there. Yeah, it might be. <laughs> This is a great matchup, and I didn't expect it to be. But we have San Francisco on the road again week two, which surprised me a little bit. But they're traveling to Philly to play the Eagles. And I did not expect this to be a great matchup coming out, but it is a great matchup. And I honestly, this is one of the better games of the week, and I'm really looking forward to it. You have a West Coast team already on the road from week one, traveling all the way to Philly for a one o'clock game. That always gives me the advantage East Coast team. Uh, San Francisco is a little bit different as we've seen. Um, they have a game that translates well on the road. They run the ball well. They play good defense. Um, but part of me just thinks this is going to be the Jalen Hurts coming out party too. They still let golf light him up at the end of the game. Who's to say Jalen Hurts won't present a whole different issue that golf couldn't present. So part of me just wants to pick Philly straight up here. And I'm just going to say it. I'll say Philly 26, San Fran 23 in a great game. Damn it. You're reading my mind here, Randy. Stop <laughs> doing that. <laughs> I, 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 too,
1: I think this is the proverbial trap game of all proverbial trap games. I'm taking Philly here, and I'm not going to deviate too much from your score. I'm going to say they beat the 49ers 24 to 20.
0: I just, I can't believe how much I've changed on Philly in this one week, but it's amazing. Yeah. All right. Well, we have another good one here. We have Vegas traveling to the other team in Pennsylvania to play the Pittsburgh Steelers. And I think Vegas is riding high off of coming off of this one on Monday Night Football. And the Steelers defense is just angry at the world for not considering how good they were going to be all off season. This feels like Vegas comes back down to earth and Pittsburgh dominates up front. Uh, I like the Steelers in this game. I'll say Steelers 20 Raiders 10. I agree with
1: you. I agree with the winner and loser here. I think Pittsburgh is going to get the W here. I think the Monday night game takes a toll on your body. So I'm going to take the Steelers
0: 24 to 21. Okay. I do think the Raiders offense is good. I just, I think the world of the Steelers defense and this is their home opener. So I expect them to come out. And unfortunately for Derek Carr, he'll be the uh, proverbial whipping boy in this game. Yeah. (laughs) okay all right and uh we have an afc south matchup now in carolina new orleans saints coming off of a just an absolute beatdown of the packers now uh to travel to carolina and honestly, how can you not feel like the Saints are just going to win this game? (laughs) I don't know. I mean, Carolina is one of these lucky teams that gets two home games to start the season, but the Saints, hey, they're dealing with a hurricane at home. They played their first home game in Jacksonville. They don't give a shit about anything. Jameis Winston is citing a coach telling him something that he can't remember, and all he said, is, as long as it's unprepared, it doesn't matter what the coach says. Uh, Jameis Winston is just hilarious, and I love him, and (laughs) I don't think any of this travel has has any effect on him, and I like the Saints. I love their defense, and I think they're going to cause problems for Arnold all day uh, and I just I think the Saints are going to win I, I I don't know if they'll put up five touchdowns but um, I like New Orleans 28 to Carolina 17.
1: I, I'm taking Omega Winston here like I, this is the one <laughs> I was waiting for because I just love this story the, I, you know all the personal side, stuff aside Jameis Winston a lot of mistakes a lot of criminal activity maybe it sounds like uh, that's what it is but I, I think Winston has a very great story as a football player here and i am going to take the saints here i think the saints are going to roll i love what they're doing give me the saints 38 to the panthers 13 baby the saints are just going to score
0: 38 every week and every week five touchdowns every week i love it lasik baby lasik go Um, get lasik Damus Winston, the MVP we never saw coming. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, then we have uh, Denver on the road once again. Two straight weeks for Denver at Jacksonville. Uh, and, man, I, I love the matchup for Denver. I mean, I, 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 how can you not? I, the Denver took care of business against the Giants, and Jacksonville has not shown that they could really compete at a level. in the pros, you're getting destroyed by the Houston Texans. I have no reason to believe that you're going to compete against any other NFL team until you show that to me. Uh, so I like Denver in this game, and uh, I like them. Big. what do you think yeah give me denver
1: denver you know I, i'm i'm just you know i'm not even going to mess around here denver is going to win by 20 points here okay 30 to 10
0: all right um with judy yeah, by the way sim patrick is the waiver wire pickup of the week for me uh i picked oh, him up in four of my five leagues and you're exactly much- right there
1: yeah elijah mitchell is going to okay. be the the waiver pickup like he's going to get picked up the most but Tim Patrick is going to be the difference maker. I, I love Tim Patrick.
0: Only thing that scares me on Mitchell is that if they activate Sermon, you know, I could see another running back by committee uh, situation there. I don't Let's know. Do if does, I don't trust the Niners a running game. I, they just use whoever they want. It's just like a free for all. Uh, all right. Yeah. I like Denver. Uh, I'll say uh, 31 to 16 over Jacksonville. Yeah. Okay. Now we have. Look, this feels like this could be a slaughter again. Uh the Vikings traveling to your state of Arizona to play the Cardinals. And look, if if the Vikings are going to lose to the Bengals and the Cardinals are going to dominate the Titans, this I mean I'm all in on the Cardinals now. I mean, I, I just feel like Kirk Cousins trying to compete and score with Kyler Murray is not going to end well for them. I just this could be a really bad matchup for Minnesota right off the bat.
1: I a bad offensive line that gave up you know, sacks to Cincinnati going against JJ Watt and Chandler Jones right now. And Isaiah Simmons, I just give me the Cardinals, baby. Give me the Cardinals. Give me the (laughs) points. Give it all to me. Uh, I'm going
0: to take the Cardinals here. 31 to the Vikings, 17. I just think the Vikings defense also looked horrible in that game, and and they have some patchwork corners. uh, Trying to the Patrick Peterson revenge game, they tried to stick him out there. That didn't go very well.
1: Please put Patrick Peterson on DeAndre Hopkins, please. I
0: I think that's what's going to happen here. I think Arizona (laughs) is just going to put it on him. I I think they're going to score forty in this game. I think it's going to be forty-one to twenty-four. I I just. I think Arizona is going to put it on them. I just – I think Vikings are going to come in and just face a buzzsaw offensively. Hey, make me happy. (laughs) <laughs> it would make you happy. Uh, this could be the slaughter of the weekend, uh, honestly. And this is the Atlanta Falcons traveling to Tampa Bay to play the Buccaneers. And the Bucs, you know, Tom Brady just gets all the damn luck in the world. I tell you, because they open like week one at home and they get 10 days off and then they get another home game against the freaking Falcons. Like why can't any other team just get the blessings that the Bucs have and Tom Brady have like, this is ridiculous. Just give me the Bucs. They're going to win by like three touchdowns.
1: I, I, I'm just going to take, the all right hot take of the week here we come the bucks are going to put up 55 on the falcons it's going to be 55 to 7 it it is going to be so ugly i you know i don't even know who backs up brady but they're going to get some playing time antonio brown three touchdowns
0: wow 55 double nickel
1: yep double nickel 55 to 7
0: that's amazing uh i'll say the bucks get a 38 spot and uh they won 38 to 9 and then they just they coast in the second half they could have they could foot 50 but i think they just coast
1: i'll say the i'll say the bucks have 40 by halftime woof
0: yeah manuel devila in the comments saying start your bucks is what you're saying i would say yeah. so
1: <laughs> yeah it, it whatever buck you have except for maybe rojo and yeah, uh, the running backs out. i would
0: avoid the running backs
1: Yeah. They they like to drop the football.
0: Yeah. I'm starting Gronk again. That's for sure. Um, all right, this this next game I'm very excited for. This could be one of the – this could be the most entertaining game of the weekend. Uh, it is Dallas traveling to SoFi Stadium to play the Chargers. I love this. This is going to be an absolute shootout. Uh, I love this matchup. I, I just love that we get SoFi every week too. I just love that, you know, whether it's the Rams or the Chargers, it's going to look yellow and blue, and it's going to be the similar colors. Either way, I'm all in on that. Um, this is a, a 425 game in that, that nice uh, CBS spot there. I believe this is going to be the Romo game too. So, uh, if you hate Romo like me, you might watch this game on mute <laughs> uh oh, <laughs> nonetheless God. yeah the guy's insufferable i just can't stand him uh him and a are just not my favorite uh, color people in the world all right uh to me i just i just love the chargers and, and dallas this is a tough matchup for dallas because the chargers feel like they're more complete and dallas could be coming off of like all right, we played really well against the Bucs. Maybe they could be feeling themselves a little bit, uh, maybe overlooking the Chargers. And I expect Justin Herbert just to have a day against this Cowboys secondary. And uh, I, I don't know. I just feel like, and, and you know, the Cowboys will score because that's what they do. They're good at that. Um, but I just think the Chargers will be too much. And I like I like them 42 to 34. Uh, I just think it's going to be a high-scoring game there in L.A. And I can't wait to watch it.
1: Hmm. High-scoring, you say? Oh, you're gonna take Deander, are you? Um I'm, I'm taking Dallas. How about them boys? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> give me the Cowboys and Dak Prescott. After I saw what Dallas did against a one of the best defenses, the well, best defensive fronts in football, yeah. and then they're able to get some key turnovers against the Ageless wonder Tom Brady. I, I like Dallas here. I, I it doesn't feel like a must-win for char, for the Chargers, it's not. Interdivisional. It's not inner conference. It's you know, you're going outside of it. So to me, it's a it's a game the Chargers can lose and not feel terrible about. So I'm I'm gonna take Dallas here, 36 to 29. Oof.
0: All right. Here's the thing. I think when you have, you know, home games, the Chargers probably have the worst home field advantage of any team. You know, I don't know how much fans really care about them in that stadium. So Dallas fans are going to travel. There's going to be a heavy Cowboy fan presence in the crowd that day. So uh, it's not going to shock me if the Cowboys win this game, but I just think I just think I can't ever pick against Russell Herbert unless he's playing like the Chiefs or something. Uh, Okay. (laughs) All right, uh, two or game, right, three games left, and we have the last of the 430 games, and it's the Tennessee Titans going to Seattle to play the Seahawks. We talk about matchups. This just feels like an absolutely brutal matchup for the Titans. And uh, Russell Wilson, I feel like he's going to have another big day. Give me the Seahawks and give me them by at least two scores.
1: Yeah, I mean, from what I saw from Tennessee, there is so much to be worried about defensively from that team. And not only defensively, but offensively, too. If Taylor LeJuan is not going to be their best offensive lineman, it's going to be problematic. Give me the Seahawks, 27 to the Titans, 24. Okay.
0: I'll I'll say 30 to 16, Seattle. And uh, another game where Derrick Henry can't get going because the Titans are down big. So, all right. Sunday night football. I've been waiting all day for Sunday night. It is the Kansas City Chiefs traveling to Baltimore to play the Ravens. And the Ravens have an absolutely just horrendous stretch to start the year. And their schedule is brutal. And it's you're going to lose games to the Raiders like the way you did on Monday Night Football. It could get late early for you. <laughs> you don't want to play the Chiefs. And it's, God, I'm not picking the Baltimore Ravens doing this game. I hate to break it, you.
1: If you can't throw it to outside the numbers, you, here's the thing with the Chiefs. If you're going to beat them, you got to put up 30. You just have to. You can't give away possessions. It, it, you got to play a really, really solid game. I have not seen Lamar Jackson put together an entire game where he's won it just because of himself. Um, I, they may be out there. I'm not saying that they're not. But to me, you got to be able to attack all, all points of the field against the Chiefs, and they can't do it. They, they just can't. They're, they're a limited football team. And you let Derek Carr explode for 400-plus throwing yards. God help you with Patrick Mahomes. I, I'm going to take the Chiefs 42 to the Ravens 17.
0: It's It feels like that, right? It just feels like the Ravens are in a bad spot to, to compete with the Chiefs right now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I I I'll, I have a similar score, uh, at, but it's it's forty five to twenty four, and the twenty four is a garbage time score too. Uh, I just think the Ravens are in a bad spot to compete with Kansas City right now. So, all right, and, and and Lamar has never beat them anyway. He's come close, but it it just feels like every time he comes up short. Uh, all right, Monday Night Football, <laughs> and we are. Back down the earth after that great game Monday night, <laughs> last night I should say. The Detroit Lions traveling to Green Bay to play the Packers. Uh, if I'll say this, if this is not a get-right game for the Packers, we're talking about some issues next Tuesday when we come back on the audible. Matt Bushnell, uh, Aaron Rodgers owns the Lions. I expect him to continue to own the Lions. I don't know if the Packers are going to look like a well-oiled machine, but I do think they're good enough to beat the to beat Detroit here. I'll say Green Bay twenty-eight to fourteen.
1: I think the Packers own the Lions with Matthew Stafford. Then you replace Matthew Stafford with Jared Goff. Um, To to me, it's definitely a get-right game for the Packers all around. I think defensively they'll be better. I think offensively they'll be better. I think Aaron Rodgers just lights them up, lights them up, puts on a show here, boys. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm going to take the Packers 34 to the Lions hmm, six. Oof. it's bad yeah. for my,
0: my lion's fantasy advice there yikes yeah not gonna be pretty <laughs> uh emmanuel davila said venture titans question mark and i said well uh i would say start aj brown that's the only one i feel totally confident in um, i mean you can play derrick henry if you drafted him you're not not playing derrick henry but i mean he,
1: he henry might be able to get some traction in, in this game i feel yeah. i i just i don't know if it's gonna matter you know like like you said if If the Seahawks get up big early, it's so tough to stay with the running game. It really is if you get down big early.
0: Yeah. All right. We've been on here for nearly two hours, Matt Bushnell. So all I'll say is we have many other groups. We have baseball life, basketball life, wrestling life, uh, pop culture life, But the other three, we have great shows. We have Dong City with Vince Berkendetti and and Henry Maldonado Jr. We have the Work Shoot Wrestling Podcast with Corey Richmond and Jason Brooks. We have the Step Back Podcast with Leon Tompkins and Jacob Anthony Moses. The schedules are all weird. Just go to those groups. Check them out. They're great discussions all the time. Uh, If you like football life, you're going to like those groups as well. Go check them out. Go be a part of the conversation. And go and go enjoy those shows when they happen throughout the week. Matt, we are going to be consistent with this Tuesday night schedule all year. Um, these shows are going to be loaded. So, you know, we're in for the long run, and we appreciate everyone sticking with us. Yep. Strap it down. All right. Well, Matt, I don't know if you have any parting words for the audience. We're going to say goodbye here, right? Yeah, we're going
1: to say goodbye. Just know that the Yankees are in danger of missing the playoffs, which would automatically give me the win for the bet. And we know what Randy will do. We're not going to reveal it, but if I win, the bet has been made in place for what Randy will have to do.
0: Yeah. There has been an agreement in place and, uh, I don't expect the Yankees to miss the playoffs, but it's possible. They definitely can still Uh, a little bit of time left in the weirdest season ever to be a Yankees fan, but that's okay. All right. You know, if you're just talking with us, stick with us this entire time on Facebook live, we greatly appreciate it. If you're checking us out on YouTube, we appreciate that as well. Uh, And if you're listening to us on the audio only platforms, thank you for all the support Um, wherever you may be listening. However, you may be checking us out. We greatly appreciate you making us a part of your two hours, (laughs) two hours of your long day on behalf of Matt Bush. I'm Randy Hammond saying, see you guys next week. Enjoy week two